Welcome back, friends, to the Joe Blow Horror Show, where we reveal, rate, discuss, and break down horror films and sometimes horror movies. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I am your host, Boss Tuna. With me, as always, is the honey-haired bitch, Hogzilla <laughs> himself, the herbal enchanter, Tibu. What's up, buddy? I just got to give you shit right now. Like, uh, this is how we start in the show. So good luck editing around this. But we didn't even do our fucking yeah, buds. You son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, bud. Drop the music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bud. Yeah, bud. Yeah, bud. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bud. Yeah, bud, bitch. <laughs> Welcome back. It's been a minute. We are back in the swing of things, reviewing a couple movies tonight. Tibu, how you been, buddy? Where are you at these days? We we all know you're working out of town. You're all you're all over the country, Midwest ish. Where are you I'm, at? I'm still in Ohio, but Man, um, you're still on Ohio. Holy, you know it's funny because the way I I edit these and put them out, people are gonna think you spend like six months of your life out in Ohio. It feels like I have, dude. I've been here for five straight weeks. And it feels like three months. I'm not even, I'm not even fucking around, but the weather's been, the weather's been way better than in Louisiana though. So I can't complain about that. Yeah. I guess any day you can step outside and not have your ball sack sticking to your legs is probably a good day. No one ever asks, stops to ask you though. How are you doing? But they're boss tuna. You know what? Thank you for asking. I am doing quite well. I'm doing, I'm doing really well actually, because in a few days from now, I will be in Jamaica, so mm. I'm excited. Going out there, the wife wanted to go out there for our wedding anniversary. The best part is, is we had this plan for, I don't even know, six months plus. And last week, we get an email from the U.S. government that says the highest, I forget what it's called, the highest alert for like U.S. travelers is like level four, which is do not travel. And they just upped it to level four for Jamaica. So that's fun. So you're going to be like crowded in with everybody? No, like apparently they say three Americans are getting raped per day. There is like severe robbery, burglary. It's a good thing I started working out again because I'm going to have to get these uh, these hands ready. I mean, I got law and order here, <laughs> left fist and right fist ready. To- yeah, but that, that's got to be for people that leave the tourist spots. Just stay in the in the American part of Jamaica. So You'll be in fine. that email, I should my buddy said. So we're going with another couple, our, our friends and neighbors. And my buddy is actually active employment. And he's the one that got it first before it was announced because he had to, you know, anytime you're active military and you got to put in to go out of country. But anyways, he sent me a screenshot and it said, even at all-inclusive resorts. 
So we were like, oh, should we tell the women? And I'm like, at first we were like, no, no, we'll be fine. And then like, well, it's better they find out like a couple weeks ahead of time than when we're there. So we did tell them, but we're rethinking a lot of stuff because we were going to go and, and I was going to rent a boat and just, you know, go out by myself with everybody, just drive around and do some fishing. And we're like, eh, I don't know. We don't need like another Captain Phillips on our hands. So. We might just be kind of hanging out at the <laughs> at the resort. I am the boss tuna now. <laughs> I am captain. So yeah, that's that's that. But we're in the midst of NHL playoffs. Calgary won. Uh, uh, Calgary, goodness gracious! Avalanche won again tonight against Edmonton. When you guys hear this, it'll probably be next fall, and you'll be like, "Wait, this doesn't make sense." But no. In all seriousness, we're gonna try to get these out a little bit more regularly. But anyways, Tibu. Guess what episode this is? Um, episode 70. This is episode 69. Oh, that's even better. Yep. Hey, Tibu, guess what? I got a question for you. Uh, okay. What? Why can Miss Piggy only count to 68? Oh, dude. I've never heard this one. Because when she gets to 69, she gets a frog in her throat. <laughs> hey, hey, Tibu. Oh, shit. What? What do you get when you get blank 182 minus maroon five plus 69 plus 420? Oh, bro, I can't do math. What? 666. Oh, fuck yeah. Hell, Yeah, bud. Well, this is special episode 69, and we are going to come at you with a good one. We have a couple of good movies. But before we get into that, Tibu, where can our friends and our podcast family and our listeners find us? If you want to talk to us, you can email us directly at the Joe Blow Horror Show at gmail.com website or email site. Is an email a website? No, that's stupid. Um, <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook, Slasher, and Instagram at Joe Blow Horror Show. And there, Boston is always posting articles. He's posting some fun stuff, um, updates on the episodes when they come out. But the main thing, oh, and he's on Twitter. Fuck that. But the main thing <laughs> that 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 you guys would really like to, uh, oh, I think it'd be the most fun, is if you jump into the Discord, we can send you a link if you want to request it, or you could just go to the Discord app and search Joe Blow Horror Show. You'll find the that bloody awesome Jason icon and you know, just, Hey, we'll let you in conversation. Join the discussion. It's always super fun on there. We're always up to some shenanigans for our new listeners. I want to say welcome. And for those that are new, let me give you a little rundown of how the Joe blow horse show works. Every once in a while, we will have what's called our fireside chats where we literally sit around a fire and we discuss a movie. Just do a little quick review. Typically, how the show works is we have a two-part show for you released supposedly bi-monthly, and we have the first leg, and we have our trek to the drive-in. The first leg, we are loading up the RV, and we are headed out. It's a road trip, per se, and in that first leg, what we do is we talk about what we're watching lately. We call that our shotgun reviews. We talk about a discussion topic. And we have a rotating segment. We have Zombie Gem of the Week. We have Actor Spotlight. We have On the Fringes. We have 
Help me out, T-Boo. What else we got? We got Mark Nato's A Shot in the Dark. Well, damn, man. I feel like you, you nailed them. You nailed them all. Uh, uh, What's your other one? Oh, it, uh, we just did it, I believe. Oh, oh no. No, we, we did On the Fringes. What's the one that... Uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Don't worry. Thankfully. Ooh, what a twist. Oh, yeah. Oh, what a twist. What, what a twist. Boss Tuna remembers my segment, not me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Join for us now. for the trip. It's just we're hopping in the RV. We're heading out to... The Mahoning Drive-In, where we're going to go <laughs> see a double feature. The second part of the episode, part two, as we call it, is reviewing an older film, which is 1995 or older, and a newer film, which is, is it 1995 and newer? Fuck if I know. No, it's, I think it's 93 or 94. I don't think it's 90, 95. It's 94 and older is the older one, and 95 and newer oh, oh, is the newer. Hold on. The longer this show goes on and the more we increase in coverage and years, we eventually just that. Yeah. It's going to have to creep up slowly. So maybe it should be 95 now. It, it might have to be, it might have to be, but we <laughs> have a couple good movies each episode for the part two that we're going to cover this episode. We will be talking about possession from 1981 and hold the dark from 2018. So Go back, listen to our back catalog. Just don't listen to the really old ones because those are kind of rough. We're we're mm. we're we're catching our footing, as I mm-hmm. as I like to say. Yeah. But I don't know about you, Tibu, but we're we're at the drive-in, and before we really pull into the drive-in, I see some lights off in the distance, and I believe we should stop in, fill the coolers. Um, yeah. I don't know what this bar is. What bar are we we stopping at here? I'm 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 driving. You're the GPS man. Where are we going? Well, I mean, the snow is starting to settle. Um, I think we'll be safe if we just pop in for a second to the uh, the, the gold room over here at this this fancy big ass hotel. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think this one's called the Grand Ballroom. Oh. And I heard I heard that Lloyd is bartending tonight, so let's let's hop on in and see what Lloyd's got on tap for us, eh? What'll it be? My goddamn soul. Just a glass of beer. honey-haired bitch i'll let you go first what are you drinking tonight bud yeah you should because uh lloyd didn't have anything special for me he just had the 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 tried and true voodoo ranger imperial that's right that's right nothing fancy here folks but uh just to refresh everybody on this beer because i I don't ever talk about it when i do have it anymore because i have it so damn often this is just a really fucking strong ipa it's nine percent by volume and uh, it's made by New Belgium. I think they make really good brews. Everything I've had from them, I really like. But this one, this is the one that I, I would go to bed with and marry and have kids with. Would you do 69 with it? I'd get a frog in my throat. Yes. I love I'd be Miss I'd be Miss Piggy. Look, it's got like a little skeleton man on it. It's, with a, it's, with it's a, horror, for sure. Yeah, I love it. Yep. Very nice. 5.5 out of 5. Or whatever the fuck. <laughs> I'm I, I love it. I'm glad. And you know what? I'm I'm kind of gonna piggyback off of your 
your, your type of beer tonight because Lloyd knows what I like. And he actually found a toppling Goliath for me. This one's called Suds and Buds. So there is Tibu and I sitting on a bench together, crushing oh. some brews. And this one is a triple India pale ale. This has got Citra, Rowaka, and Cryopop hops. This is a collaboration between Toppling Goliath and Blackstack. I've had this earlier tonight, and I can tell you this gets the gears going. This is going to lube you up all nice. You're going to have that that rubber fist just sliding back and forth. <laughs> into your mouth hole i, I gotta ask real quick what, what's the abv on that 10 percent. oh yeah you, you're doing it one point more hey what the fuck is cryopop hops so so there's three different type of hops in here citra is a very common type of of hop but i am not familiar with the rawaka or cryopop and i'm guessing those are they sound made up like they're what, what genetically modified kind of hops but mm. this has a very very different it, it's got a very different hop profile it's very fruity it's juicy very good I'm, I'm giving this like a 475 this is an excellent for a triple ipa as dank as it is and with that high abv it's really really good it's smooth it's fruity it's juicy Say when you say that, and um, New Belgium has a, a it's called Juicy Haze IPA. I actually slightly prefer the taste of that one to the Imperial, but I'll give the Imperial more often because it's a little bit more bang for my buck. But right. yeah, man, I, I like hearing that. I like hearing that it's so juicy. <laughs> I love I love that you're always juicy when I when I show up. She's a juice bomb <laughs> in and around my mouth. So very very well done. I'm I'm Toppling Goliath is pretty legit. We're fortunate here in the Midwest and Iowa in particular. We've got some really good breweries uh, around me. So, well, thank you, thank you very much for uh, stopping. I'm glad we got to wet our whistle, Lloyd, sir. Thanks oh, for whistle. <laughs> thanks yep. for you know taking care of us like you do. You bitch. Yeah. Yep. Let's let's get out of here because I, I tried to bitch. pay for this, and Lloyd said my money's no good here, and he started calling me the caretaker, and I don't like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would just say let's just pull right into the. Um, the, the driving and, and just get the show on the road, eh? Beyond the realm of human desire, there is a darkness. Well, that's why I'm with you. Because you say I for me. Love opens to absolutely unknown horizons. Isabella Johnny, the internationally acclaimed actress in her most explosive, controversial role. <laughs> Sam Neill, Heinz Bennett, two men, and a woman no man could ever possess. Special visual effects by Academy Award winner Carlo Rambaldi. Mortal terror. Inhuman ecstasy. Soon you will know the meaning of 
first of our double feature tonight is a film from 1981. This was Tibu's pick, Possession, 1981. Tibu, tell us uh, why you chose this movie. What, what Have you ever seen it before? Give, give, give us a little backstory on this before we really get into it. So this movie I've been seeing crop up on online, like people mentioning it here or there. And I also saw that it had gotten, I don't remember which distribution company put it out, but I saw that it had gotten like a really super nice special edition Blu-ray release or whatever. And I forget where, but recently I happened to see the old school trailer for it. And the trailer is frantic and gritty looking. And that alone made me just like, okay, this has got to go on my list. Plus 1981 is a fucking murderer year for horror. Like that, that year is so solid. I think, I think it could be in the conversation for like one of the best years of horror film ever. So pretty much all those reasons. Okay. And no, I'd never, I've never seen it until this watch. Yep. Neither have I, neither have I. Possession's a 1981 film. This is rated R. It's clocking in just over two hours at 124 minutes. What do you think this got on the B? Mm, this is this is tricky. I'm gonna say on the B. This oh man, this is hard to to judge really because I don't know what I have not done any research about this movie at all. Um, uh, six point nine on the B. Seven point three. What about Rotten Tomatoes? critic score i'm gonna say like 87 percent or some shit like that very close actually 88 percent oh fuck very close <laughs> double double d's like pounding the fucking yeah, floor yeah. right now oh you fucking cheater <laughs> let's talk about budget what do you think this got uh for a budget back in 1981 they had some nice like location shots and ah uh, not much else besides that as far as like a big budget would be concerned with, I don't know, two, three million bucks. 2.4 million. Okay. Box office. I have no idea. Um, I'm going to say since this movie is never talked about like ever, pretty much not, not, not to my knowledge. I never heard anyone even mention it until I just, it started kind of reappearing in my reality over and over again, almost calling to me. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, Probably maybe it's I'm, I'm going to hope it made $3 million and made 1. a little 1.1 million. Oh man. I agree though. They, I literally, I don't think I've ever heard of this movie and, and I like Sam Neill and I've, you, you mentioned possession 1981. I knew nothing about it. I thought bro, you get that here. young Jurassic park, bro. Yes. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> Prevent horizon. Oh yeah. Oh man. Never even heard about it. This was way off my radar. I was going in thinking we we're going to be watching, you know, like Exorcist. Me too. Something. So, yeah. This is written and directed by oof, All right, we're going to you're going to put me to work on this one there, bud. Written and directed by Andreas Zulaski. He is a Ukrainian director and this is actually his only English language film. Um He's got a handful of other ones out there. The only other one that I guess kind of, I was like, oh, that, that might be all right. It's called The Devil. One other thing too, typically we don't talk about this, but this had the special effects guru was Carlos Rimbaldi. And you will know him from 
E.T., Alien, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But this is starring Isabel Adjani as Anna. Um, she was in The Tenant and Diabolique. Sam Neill played Mark. He was in, obviously, Jurassic Park, Daybreakers, Event Horizon, In the Mouth of Madness, and a couple other guys that were, I guess, not worth me mentioning on this here as well. So a little trivia on this one. This, you know, Isabella Johnny, she's, both of those actors have a decent repertoire underneath them, but she took several years to get over playing Anna. She says that she was bruised inside and out. She would never do a similar role again. This is, <laughs> this is also Sam Neill's favorite film that he's been in. Mm-hmm. Um, Isabella Johnny, she actually won Best Actress at Cannes. Uh, I got to look this up. I always, every time we do this, we talk about this. It's Cannes, I'm saying, Cannes, I'm Cannes. saying, I'm saying Cannes until I die. I don't give Cannes, a fuck what yeah. anyone says. <laughs> Cannes Film Festival. This was also a video nasty in the UK. And if you don't know anything about the video nasties, go check out that movie Censor. We talked a little bit about it, uh, I believe, at our end of the year show for 2021. Yeah. But the video nasties were in the UK. They were basically trying to, I mean, they were muting a lot of movies out there saying that, um, you know, they were rotting the minds or whatever. So this was a banned film in the UK. Um, Sam Neill did say that this is the most, most grueling film he's ever done. Uh, he would never want to do it again. And um, again, you know, the director has a decent, you know, film catalog that he's done but it's again it's his only actual english language film so um i'd be curious as far as what what that meant or why or whatever do you, because do you, do you have who did the the cinematography or who handled the camera in this in this film yeah um i i do i looked it up and it was nobody worth mentioning really so this is basically a collaboration so this was shot in west berlin in the early eighties, obviously we know that the Berlin wall was up until I believe it was like 1989. So it was a collaboration between, you know, the UK and, and I mean, it was a European collaboration. You had a Ukrainian director, you had it shot in Germany and it was a lot of actors from, um, from, from the UK, but yeah, the, the, the cinematographer, I looked it up and it was nobody I recognized and nobody that I really, you know, I'm asking because I'd be curious to see this director's other films as well, just based on the cinematography. If, if I had like, just to put that out there, right, right off the bat, because yeah, it's the, uh, it's very interesting. And it, 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 it felt fresh even for some, it felt super fresh for something from 1981. So uh, yeah, same year as evil dead. And this movie kind of had a, a frantic vibe to it. Yep. It's to a degree. Yep. So anything you want to uh, add before we hop into this? I just want to say Rambaldi. Rambaldi. Possession. The film opens with an iron cross in the middle of some grungy city streets. Might only look that way because of the camera work, though. A man, Mark, confronts a woman named Anna, his wife, having arrived via taxi, suitcases in hand. They seem to be having some sort of strained conflict in their relationship, full of questions and mistrust, feelings of things changing. And it all seems to be post some traumatic event. That's the vibe that I got. And I think that comes into play later. But it turns out that Mark has been away doing some espionage work. 
and Anna wants a fucking divorce. His team tries to rehire Mark as a spy, but he's like, fuck you guys. It's family first. And he goes back home. After uh, leaving the apartment, oh, see, he goes home, but Anna wants the divorce. After leaving the apartment to give his wife and son space, Mark tries to figure out who Anna is sleeping with and discovers that uh, it's some guy named Heinrich. And that's by her own fucking admission. So the movie, The movie starts to me like, in a you're like you're thrown into the middle of something that's already happening and the vibe that i got from it like i said at the, at the beginning was some, that something traumatic had happened between the two of them uh i was half right <laughs> but finding out this dude's been a spy and that that i'm gonna have a i'm gonna have a gripe in the next section about that so you and me both brother but that gripe will later be addressed so it's this is this is this is a complex movie i want to tell you right now like this is a complex film and it's not an easy watch um you have to be either engaged well you got to be engaged but 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 you've got to be seasoned to some degree in madness to watch this movie and what, what i mean by that is movies that have like i said that frantic pace or frantic energy about it something about it seems just hyper like hyper and i think this movie this movie has it in 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 droves um i gotta admit all this shit right here at the beginning tibu was a sad panda what did you think about this whole opening this whole opening shit so i started this and i rewatched the first like 15 minutes because everything you said is exactly what I was thinking. I was like, man, they are throwing so much shit at us right now and trying to figure out kind of what's going on. I, watching at first, I was like, okay, he's a spy. But then I'm like, I just really don't buy the whole spy thing with him. But yeah, I, I was kind of, it was a whirlwind. I was really like, this is one of those where I started it and I was watching it and I was engaged. I wasn't on my phone, but I rewound it, started the whole thing over. And like, I did one of those where like you sit up straight and you're like, okay, like it's like when you're at at class and the teacher, you know, calls you out and you're like, Oh, you jump to attention. I was like, okay, I need to get ready for this. So yeah, I was just trying to put everything together and figure everything out because there's a lot that goes on right away in the beginning of this. I agree with that sentiment that it's it's like this movie commands your attention just based on how it's like and I like that word you use the whirlwind of how it starts. Um, <laughs> yeah. Agony and lies. Mark and Anna meet for lunch just to discuss their divorce where Mark says he basically flat out refuses to see his son, Bob, but he refuses because of the heartache, his inability to cope with all of this crazy turn of events because Anna Anna's not being you know a hundred percent with him and he can tell he, he can definitely tell he he's outraged he starts smashing dishes he starts chasing her through the restaurant throwing chairs everywhere he's got to be restrained this this is part of the whirlwind like this movie just boom boom right right away and several weeks go by he's got like you know the beards coming in real well, not Three real weeks. thick. Yeah. 
three weeks go by and Mark's been just drinking his ass off. He tries, I think he tries to call his mother, right? And he can't get the words out of his mouth. He can't articulate anything. I thought he was trying to say mom, but I can't remember what the lady I, on the phone was saying. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't this know. is a, this is a one-time watch. So forgive us listeners, but, uh, Later, he's writhing in in agony over his withdrawals from from the the drinking binge, the bender he's been on. But once he recovers, Mark visits his old apartment and finds his son, Bob, there alone, dirty and uncared for. Anna had apparently not been there for some time, and her son was starting to get malnourished. So Mark cleans himself and Bob up and waits for Anna to return. And once she does, Mark insists that he's going to take care of Bob now and tries to make amends with his estranged wife who is caught in her own whirlwind of anxious emotions. That's where you're, you're, that's where you're at right now in, in the movie. You don't know what the fuck is really going on for this lady to leave her kid. Dude, when I saw that part of the movie, I got pissed off. Yeah. I I was, I was trying to figure out too, you know, part of me was getting frustrated because I'm like, you know, it's, you were saying fresh because it's a different take on a movie and how it's being presented, but you're also like, there's so much shit being thrown at you. You're trying to put it all together and put pieces together and figure out what's going on. Did you have, I was trying to figure out how long Bob was there by himself. I mean, are we talking like a couple hours or no, no, I think it was a couple of days because he said he called, he called his, his mom's friend, Margie, and she just told him to be strong and she had something else. She was in the hospital with a broken leg. So yeah. she could, she couldn't go see about him. So I think it was at least a few days okay. and this behavior continues from Anna too, but we're going to get into it. Um, I was wrong. My gripe about him being a spy is not going to come up in this segment, but, but, but it's, it's about to, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a lot to take in and it's messy in and, but it's messy on purpose that they're not trying to explain what Anna's really going through right. um, or why she's so adamant about he Cause Mark's confused as fuck. He can't believe that she's like this. He, I forget at what point in the movie, but he's like, I've got all your love letters from when I was away and I come back and you're like this, like how long has this been going on? And there there's, there's a lot of, and this is before the movie gets topsy turvy, but there's a lot of real drama in, 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 there in, is. in the and I don't know about you, but I had a hard time like trying to pack this all in and and kind of believe it because when I saw that Sam Neill was in this, I'm like, oh great, I love Sam Neill. We've actually talked about him on the show. He's in some pretty good movies, he's a good actor, but I I thought his overacting was very distracting at this point. Hmm. And yeah, and just just the the character or actor, I guess, of Anna. And I'm, I, I don't know. I, I was I was getting frustrated. I was like, what the heck is going on? What am I? What direction is this going? But I just felt that there was a lot of overacting going on. And I know this is a young Sam Neill. And I'm like, OK, well, you know, I'm like, we're waiting for that that turn, because right now, like you, you mentioned it, there's no likable characters right now. You don't like either of them. And you're you because you've got this innocent boy and you're hating both of them. And anyways, let's keep going, because it's it's it just gets weirder from here. 
<laughs> uh, well, it, it does. I, I want to chime in real quick before we take a step for, forward. Uh, just to make clear, I don't, I don't, if overacting in a bad way is what you mean, yes. then that's not okay. Then no, I disagree. And I, I, I was, I've been pulled in by both of their performances so okay. far, confused and frustrated as well, because I don't know what's happening. I don't necessarily know what's happening, but uh, yeah, good on you, Sam. Screams and slaps. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that night, Mark puts Anna to bed and receives a call from her lover, Heinrich, who says that Anna is his and will stay with him. Mark brings Bob to school the next morning and sees his school teacher, Helen, who looks ex exactly identical to his wife, except she's got green eyes and, yeah. and Anna has blue eyes. Mark tracks down this homewrecker. And Heimrich seems to be very accepting and almost wanting to come to terms with Mark and is willing to put himself out there and say he's 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 also accepting how Anna's behaving because she she visits him and goes back home. And it's 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 a back and forth, almost trying to relate to him in a way like, dude, I'm hurting, too, right now. But in, in his weird French ass or whatever the fuck he's being way like. German. I, I, he's German. All right. Well, I don't know why, but he gave me like a French sort of vibe. And I, I, I don't know. <laughs> also, a fight breaks out and Heinrich easily kicks Mark's ass. Bro. Like beats the shit out of him. Bro, I almost texted <laughs> you at this point because I was like laughing. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, what the fuck <laughs> am I watching? I was like, wow. He karate just jujitsu ancient technique secret kicks his ass man i don't know mark returns home and he fights with anna who claims that she's disgusted by mark that's the comment she made that i had to make note of it's like damn that's brutal man telling somebody you had a kid with and, and you you know you've made love to them so many times they're disgusting and we we are not given a reason as to why we're not told as to why um mark starts she starts freaking the fuck out and screaming that she's a monster who will fuck around with anyone. And dude, her behavior is insane and erratic. Like she's losing her fucking mind right here. And, and, and I'm, I'm watching the movie. Like what is going on? Like right. what is As going on? She slaps him and they start to struggle with her trying to leave. But Mark begins his onslaught of just dude. His pimp hand is strong. <laughs> he slaps her so much and look i'm not sitting here laughing because i condone it i'm watching this insane movie this dude's slapping the shit out of her all right it's like god slapping the shit out of her like bad like bad spousal abuse she's bleeding all over the place he's chasing her down the stairs they're calling her a bitch and she's screaming at him that their 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 fight spills out into the street he's following her and she turns around and blood just gushes out of her yep. like nose and mouth like, like this, she jumps out in front of a fucking vehicle and shit, like a big tow truck with cars on it. The truck's out of the way. Shit's fucking flying everywhere. Yeah, I was like, God damn. And th then Mark runs into Anna's friend, Margie, who's got that cast on her leg. And she offers to take care of Bob. And she also tells him that she loves seeing Mark so miserable. It's relatable or something like that. I'm like, that's just some weird... 
that's some weird dialogue right there. I was wrong. I was wrong again. It's still not this scene. <laughs> so, okay. Well, let, let me fill you in and our listeners where I'm at at this point in the movie. So, I mean, we're, we're only what, 10 minutes in at this point. No, no, you're way more, you're way further in. Uh, I suppose. Yeah. It's probably, yeah, it's probably 20 minutes because of the fight with Heinrich, but still we're, we're still early on in the movie. So here, here's my, my head where I'm at in the movie. And we are open up with this confident, strong Sam Neill, AKA uh, Mark, who is a spy, but he is exhibiting nothing, nothing that, you know, no, none of us know an actual nobody, real spy. Nobody said he was James Bond, man. He might've just been right. a mole. Right. But he has, he's exhibiting zero qualities of a I'm, spy I'm, that we I'm would disagreeing. Expect. I'm disagreeing with you on that one aspect, but I think a much bigger one's going to come in. That's the one I keep talking about, but I'm going to shut the fuck up about it right. until I get yep, there. Now. Table that for now, but. I, you know, it, and obviously it's hard not to compare him to James Bond because it's a fucking, he's a British guy, Samuel's British and just everything from the way that he's dealing with the divorce to the way that he's dealing with his wife. I mean, he's a woman beater. He's just, he's manic and he's, he's kind of a terrible father too, uh, essentially. I mean, he's, I don't know. I, I just. I agree with, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. And, and just, you know, that scene with him just going on that drug alcohol binge. And so that's where I'm at with this movie is, is I'm like, I fucking hate both of these. I, these I find, I find him relatable to a degree, to a very small degree, obviously not the wife beating part or the neglecting and refusing to see your kids part like right that so that's no, the thing no though is 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 it's it's you know i've never gone through that of divorce or anything like that but you'd think that someone who is a trained government spy he's got to be fairly high up you'd have a little bit stronger of uh we'll, we'll call it mental fortitude and i mean he's as soft as baby shit and that's kind of where i'm at at this point in the film Suicide and Secrets. After some time, Mark hires a private investigator to track down Anna, and we see that Margie has been staying there from time to time. One day, Anna returns home unannounced and refuses to speak to Mark, who is in a frenzy. He doesn't beat her this time, though, but Anna continues to just cut and grind meat while he questions her and he runs on and on with the questions. She tries to kill herself i think or at least wounds herself with the electric knife she was using cutting her neck and then appears traumatized afterwards like in a state of horror and shock while mark's comforting her and bandaging her wound mark then goes into the kitchen and maims his own arm several times with the same electric knife and anna leaves again this time however she is tailed by the private investigator this okay finally we get to my big gripe he's a spy He's got to hire a fucking PI to do his job. What the fuck movie? What the fuck were they thinking? Okay. Let's, let's backtrack because the one question I had was, is why is he cutting his? So I thought when he started cutting his arm in himself, I thought the movie was going to be like, okay, they're going to get police involved and he's going to have to be like, Hey, look, she cut me up. Why was he? She cutting she, his he, own arm when, off when he's doing that. Or after he does that, she goes up to him and she says, she says, she asks, does it hurt? 
And he said, no, the pain, the, what I got from that and what I'm, what I'm saying, I'm getting from some of this performance and some of the dialogue and a scene like that, which is symbolic, a lot of symbolic shit in this movie. Right. There's, and it's all coming up. <laughs> there, there's something to be said for like, there's pains that hurt way worse than something physical that could happen to you. And mainly, I mean, a physical pain can be shocking, but so can an emotional one. And it can cause, you know, mental, it can cause, it could cause you to go mental or have at least depression, anxiety. These are mental issues. So it could cause you to have mental issues. Um, and the pain of that electric knife was just not as bad as the pain in his heart. I, 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 I'm just, that's the way that I'm, I'm taking because her whole thing is not wanting to be around him anymore. And we don't really know why, because she's not even staying with her lover. And yeah, I mean, it, it's confusion. It's just confusion and, and pain. And that's, that's, that's what I'm getting out of it. Yeah. But why, well, why did he hire a PI to do his own job? You know, I, I never, I actually didn't really think about that, but I mean, it, it makes sense. It pisses me off. Death of an investigator. The PI follows Anna onto a train where some homeless man takes a banana from her grocery bags and just starts eating it while she blankly sits there. Later out in the streets, Anna is, um, she, she's flat out running at this point, and the PI is keeping up close behind her, basically chasing her, and follows her into an apartment building. The PI calls Mark outside at a payphone and is told to find out more. He poses as someone working for the building looking for a broken window that he claimed injured a bystander on the street, so she lets him in. The apartment is dark and bare, completely unkempt. It looks like no one should be living there. There's a bed just strewn out on the floor, no furniture to speak of. She offers him a glass of wine, however, in a fit of mad laughter, and then drops the bottle, breaking it. Inside another room, the PI discovers something bloody and wriggling in the dark before Anna stabs him to death in the neck with a broken bottle. You get some, we get in, we get in some, some gore in here and some weirdness, some high weirdness. Now didn't see this coming. When you said earlier that you thought this would be a sort of exorcism film or, or possession possession film. I was totally sold on that too. The trailer that I saw didn't clue me in to what this movie was about at all. Like at all. I did, and 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 it didn't reveal shit. Well, good. That's that's. that's it was a good actually, trailer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we get the. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I if I'm being brutally honest at this point, if you haven't caught on, I'm, I'm I'm this isn't my favorite movie I've seen, and I was a little bit lost, struggling to to keep. Well, goddamn, no, I didn't know that you were gonna feel that way about it. I thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> he he spoiled it so early I, but I, i'm just being honest though it's it's I'm, i was having a hard time at this point figuring out what's going on i'm like trying to figure out character motivations and in the whole two bits but yeah the the character of this this private investigator was i mean i felt like we need to hear that like that that weird <laughs> generic sound of him like chasing her through the streets and like how did she not know he was behind her? Because they're like she, both running and she sprinting did. and well, yeah, she but, kills him. Yeah. But I'm talking early on and 
he gets. I think it. she. I think she totally did know. The entire time. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, to a degree, because whenever yeah. she gets to the apartment, she stops and looks, and he, he keeps running past her, but she looks at him like, "What the yeah. fuck?" I mean, it was almost like, like, um, I don't even know the term, but like when he's going up the steps and he's like doing that little, that 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 stomping. I don't know. I, I felt like I, I was watching. I like that. Shit. Oh, I thought he was being clever. Yeah, I'm a simple. How do you not know? Like, but I'm putting myself in, in in him in his character. Like, how do you not know that she's she knows that you're fucking following her? You know what I'm mm. saying? I mean, it's it's yeah. And then he's I, for, trying to be all clever when he's going back down to knock. I need to check your windows. Someone fell out and this and that. And but so I thought it. I thought it was. I thought it honestly was kind of believable that that's why he was running there. And so he might, that would be his, I thought he was quick on his feet, man. I don't know. Uh, we're watching a different movie right now, I guess. And also I'll say at this point, um, I've given up on trying to know until the movie is going to want to tell me I've given up on trying to figure out what the, the fucking problem is because I'm, and especially when I see the bloody wriggling, I'm like, all right, something else is going on in this movie. And see, this is the point of the movie where I pretty much had it figured out. Except the very, very end that reveal, I guess that we get to, I've, 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 I've figured it out at this point. Damn. Well, there's one aspect of it that I didn't get until way later because the movie didn't really hint at it until a little bit later. Um, but I, I thought this thing was a demon possessing their minds. That's what I thought for a little while. I thought she had. Yeah, you got, were honey dick by the title trying to like put pieces together. Sure. But I'm saying what I thought at this moment was that Heinrich was some sort of dark researcher, you know, shady type dude that yep, dabbled. I never, I never got that from Heinrich. I thought because he talked about like their, his sex being better than his. So I thought he was a lustful dark arts, you know. Uh, a man of the world wants to experience everything and that he drew Anna into this. I thought that that's maybe where this was going to go. I'm, sure. I was, I was way the fuck off. God is a disease. Helen visits Mark and Bob and right after Heinrich arrives, um, Oh, Helen, the school teacher, by the way, I only mentioned her one other time, but she goes and visits Mark and Bob. And right after that, Heinrich shows up and he seems drunk and he's spinning through the halls. He uh, hold on. Hold the fuck on, man. He himself now in a whirlwind again, the movie like Anna's in a whirlwind. Mark's in a whirlwind. Uh, all of this stuff to me is starting to play out in, in my mind and sort of I'm, I'm stringing it together. But that's enough for me right now because I'm I'm in it, and their conversation plays out like a ballet. They're 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 discussing. Yeah, crack that juicy boy. They're discussing where Anna could be and what's. Anna, where you at, Anna? Anna. And this this the cinematography here is dizzying and and awesome. It's to me it was awesome, and the 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 performances the over the top but engaging to me acting going on in the scene that the body the body movement it just it just made the scene feel so i don't know man it's it's a weird scene but heinrich ends up leaving 
And before he leaves, what, how is it that he, he, he asks him or no, he says, uh, yeah, he, do you believe in God? And Sam Neill is like, God is a disease. That, that shit right there with everything else going on again, just was making me, it was clicking for me like that, that that's a demon in that fucking bedroom, like, and, and some shit's going down. It's bedtime now. And Bob talks to his dad about, you know, do you like Helen? Do you like Heinrich? And he's trying to convince Mark's trying to convince his son, you know, there's no one I like more than mother. Helen and Mark discuss Bob crying and screaming at school during his naps. Although he doesn't do this at home, it's revealed. And their conversation gets pretty philosophical involving the roles of men and women in the universe and how evil plays a part of it. That night, Mark and Helen go to bed together naked. Not sure if they had sex. Not sure. And Bob wakes up screaming for his mother. They they had to have because she's naked. He's going out full staff, like picking his kid up, like his boners got to be rubbing against his kid's feet. So, I mean, they had to have been <laughs> doing the dirty, but let's bring this back a little bit because I want to know where your thought process, where your head was when Heinrich goes to the door, because I like you thought that he was drunk, but he kept doing this, this thing with his hand. Like if, I mean, our Patreon subscribers can see the video that I'm doing right now. I'm just kidding. We don't have a page patreon right now but he was like doing like the turkey gobble thing or whatever like part of me was wondering if he was being possessed or controlled by that little like hellraiser flesh demon fleshlight thing that's did what you, i'm saying yeah, did yeah. You, i mean talk to me goose where, where where was your head at exactly there that's that's what i was saying like i thought now like this thing but is, he wasn't is, though no come to find out well, come to find, but at, you're saying right there in this yeah. moment and how I'm watching the movie. That's why I was, I wasn't sure. I'm upset you spoiled kind of how you feel about the whole thing because I wasn't sure how it was going to end for you yet. So, because well, you don't know how, you don't I, know how it's going to end for me yet either. Okay, let's let's backtrack here because I am giving you my thoughts and process as where we're at in the movie. Yeah. So that 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 does not that does not correlate to what. I oh my bad! Man. I thought I thought you said it's this is not one of your favorite movies you've seen. That's what I thought. You As said. I was watching it at that oh. point, that's where I was at. At this point, when like I, I kind of explained it already with the with the 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 performance art mixed with the dialogue, and the dialogue in this movie again, it's very. I don't want to say heady because I'm not that smart, but there's just so much going on. There's so much going on. This deserves a rewatch from me because. I need to see it again. This this is not a one-time watch kind of movie to give final thoughts on. That's 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 uh, you spoil a little bit. That's where I'm going to end up coming in because it's like this you got to see this more than one time to really get a, a whole grasp of everything the characters are discussing in certain scenes. But dude, right now, I'm in. Like I'm in. This movie's got me. I don't know what's going on, but I like what I'm seeing. I like the way it looks. I like the performances. I like how experimental it is. Yeah, I'm I'm in. Death of a lover. Another PI meets with Mark the next morning, eager to discuss the whereabouts of the previous detective. Mark gives up the address that the detective had found of uh, this man Zimmerman, 
who had called Mark from a payphone. I'm not sure if I had mentioned that. Um, like, hey, this is where Anna's been hiding out. And he reveals himself in so many words to be the lover of the now dead PI. So he visits Anna, this man Zimmerman, and he he sees the horrifying <laughs> Hellraiser flesh creature that you said, again, just blood splattered with tentacle limbs just writhing around around in that bed. And I'm like, God damn, this is getting cosmic now. It's going to get cosmic now. Okay, movie. Okay. So Anna says this creature is tired. <laughs> this is one of my other favorite lines in the whole movie. He, he's very tired. He made love to me all night. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck, man? So now we got Japan hentai shit going on with the tentacles fucking chicks. It's cosmic because it looks like an HP Lovecraft Hellraiser monster. And I don't know what's happening. Zimmerman just straight up opens fire on Anna, but she goes fucking ballistic. I guess he missed her. It looked like he hit her, but I guess he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she beats the shit out of him with something she had in her hand that was full of like what looked milk? like milk. Yeah, yeah. milk. That's not the first time in this movie milk explodes all over something, by the way. And I'm not I'm not even that's not an innuendo. I'm literal milk. And she takes his gun and violently shoots him to death. I'm going to pause you right there. You fucked up. You should have called the segment milk Bukaki. I had to call it death of a lover because the first was death of an investigator. I think about these titles. Okay. Just saying. Okay. So come on, dude. This scene wasn't at least like awesome but i mean it's episode 69 you you you, you couldn't have thrown milk bukkake in there because i i mean i mean that's, that's you, a little it, hanging fruit but it, if you would name the episodes after things i say or that you say or someone says <laughs> then yes i would totally throw in terms like milk bukkake can't do that though you gotta you gotta you gotta give those movies in the title motherfuckers don't click on your shit nightclub <laughs> how about the flesh creature the shooting scene. Come on. No bueno? So, let me ask you this. Do you... Th oh, man. I, I will backtrack a bit and say that there's a lot going on in this movie. There's a lot to unpack, and you could really have some deep conversations as far as themes and, and you know, meaning, symbolism, etc. But... There was some weird sexual tension between this other investigator slash lover between Mark and him. When oh, when he, when he held his Mark. hands? Well, when he held his hands and he was like leaning in for a kiss at some point, like, do you, th I mean, this is 1981. So this is some pretty racy shit for back then. I mean, this ain't fucking, you know, 2021, 40 years later. Do you think that there was something that the director was trying to get across or whatnot with having a gay investigator in, in fucking 1981 in the UK with this? Uh, the sexual overtones in this movie? Yeah, I mean, he was trying to say something. And I don't, I, he, the open mindedness of Heinrich, like in the earlier scenes where he's trying to be compassionate towards the, the, the you know the the slain lover the husband the the, the uh, of this woman he's th there's some weird openness not weird well yeah the movie's weird so I'm saying weird but there's an openness to sexuality in this film 
I mean, you have this hell spawn creature apparently fucking this woman. She said it fucked her all night. She's fucking Heinrich. Um, Mark's fucking the 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 babysitter slash school teacher. He's fucking the broken leg gimp lady. I mean, he's everyone's fucking everybody in this movie. <laughs> it's a big ass orgy, bro. Possession is a fucking orgy. It's a milk bukkake. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, I would say I would say so. I, I I don't think I didn't notice the lean in, but I did notice the long drawn out hand touching. Uh, but in that moment, I just took it as someone trying to get someone else to see them as a human that's in love, and not just as like. And like you said, eighty one that was racy. So like to not see someone as like, oh, that's a gay person, you know, like fuck that. That's a human being in love, like he's asking Mark, like, don't go to the cops yet. I want to go see what's going on. Or I think that's what he said again. One time watch madness and meaning. (laughs) Upon returning home, Mark finds a mysterious package with a film reel in it. Don't remember what's on the film reel saying it right now. Didn't write it in the The, notes. No. So the film reel was, so Anna is, a uh, ballet instructor okay that was my question did the film reel go into the actual footage like yes. filmed okay okay yes. well then there you go there we have it thank you boss tuna i got lost in that moment i didn't know what the hell was going on um anna is seen giving some rather uncomfortable and questionable dance instruction to one of her students who appears to be in great pain and like doing these poses that Anna's forcing upon her and she flees Anna's dance studio and Anna's I will say, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Uh, This for someone that's suffered multiple knee injuries, this actually was very effective for me. And I was like, like tensed up cringing because the way that she was like having her hold her knee and pull it up and shit. I was like, Oh God, I'm going to hear that pop. And, and these, these are like 12 year old kids. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It, this was actually, this was probably, in my opinion, one of the more well done intense scenes in the movie. This really elicited that like cringy, like, oh, fuck, because it's it's an innocent child, like a 12 year old kid. Yeah, that, I was like, what the fuck am I watching? When you see that, I agree, man, that 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 got to me as well. And Anna's trying to justify her actions in a way. And this is when the movie flips she, she's talking about faith and chance and going in like circles in her mind and talks about suffering and cancer and madness controlling and piercing her reality. It, it, then she's confessing being the creator of her own evil and, and her inability to cope with, with, with all of this. And then, then we're back in the apartment and she's shoving clothes into a refrigerator and raiding the pantry, just spilling food everywhere. Mark thinking, out loud like you're you're torn apart inside that's why you're wanting to be both home and both away and anna becomes spastic attacking her own hands that's more weird hand shit again screaming and hyperventilating and they they try to sit and talk and mark is composed and anna's unhinged like dude this all of this i was just like whoa movie like blew my hair back and i i i had a hard time keeping up with what was going on right here you're right, because really the, the whole movie at this point was doing a, I mean, it was doing a good job as far as like, 
the only thing I can think of is manic because it was mm-hmm. so up and down. There was crazy intense scenes between Mark and Anna where they were battling and hating each other and shit going down. And then they would be lovey dovey, you know, husband, wife kind of stuff. And then it would go back to hardcore. Like it was, it was all, all over the place. And at this point in the movie, as a viewer, you're watching and you're like, okay, well, something's fucked up because there's this like tentacle creature that's, you know, <laughs> 69ing her <laughs> apparently pretty good too. And excuse me, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. The miscarriage. Anna appears. Um, <laughs> she's, she's standing in front of a giant statue of the crucifixion and Jesus is looking right down on her. I mean, right in her eyes. And she's unable to speak, only able to sort of moan in pain. And like, I don't know, like, again, like I was saying earlier, seems confused. But we just jumped, we jumped directly to this, by the way. So I'm still caught up in the holy fuck, I don't know what's going on right now. Anna leaves this grand church in the middle of the city and begins laughing uncontrollably in the subway, bouncing off the walls, shrieking like a wild animal, flailing across the floor, bursting milk. There's more bursting milk in this scene as she smashes her groceries. Rage and pain and confusion and madness incarnate. She falls to the ground to her knees and blood and bile begin to spill out of every orifice as she erupts in insanity. This was all a memory. Anna explaining to Mark her reason for being away. Sort of. This, she apparently had some sort of a miscarriage. And I think, so when I, earlier, when I thought that there was a traumatic moment between them that had occurred, at this point in the film, I'm like, oh, something traumatic happened to her. And literally at this moment, the 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 visage of this flesh demon changed for me into i'm a, i'll be frank about it like into a fetus it was a fetus and that's the way i took it and it and then the movie started playing into that idea a hundred percent of com- coming up so let's see i'm sorry yeah uh, but- this this whole scene you're talking about though this was this did not happen while it, he was gone yes it did it did yeah so, they, so they i took they this, say it during the movie they later bring up the miscarriage and that it happened while he was away you're, you're talking about the crazy like weird like rave dance scene she had by herself in the subway right yes that 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 was a they by the way they had like a homeless dude sitting down out there while she was yeah. doing all that it's like oh shit. yeah i mean i so as an actress i can see that that's got to be really difficult to perform because it's so over the top and so out there and you're really putting yourself out there to do that but i that did not jive with me that that i, I just felt that whole scene was kind of cringy wow yeah yeah we we come in on a whole different wavelength on that scene there, brother. That to me was like performance magnifico. 
I was sold. I was just not work for me. It was like the ballet argument in the hallway or from earlier between Heinrich and, and Mark. Yeah. So Mark calls her vulgar, but recounts a story of his dog dying alone under his porch, yelping before it died. Like it saw something actually real that, that, that whole thing about the dog dying and, and what he's saying about it. And it keeps coming back in the, in the film. Anna leaves yet again. And Mark decides to call Heinrich and give him the address that Anna continues to retreat to. Heinrich races over there on his motorcycle and tries to make love to Anna. And he's like, I'm stronger than you or some shit. I'm like, God damn. Really ass, yeah. Some rapey ass vibes. Um, but to his terror, he finds the flesh creature more human like now and also finds several dismembered bodies and heads. Heinrich is then attacked. Yeah. In the fridge, Jeffrey Dahmer style. Mm-hmm. Heinrich is then attacked by Anna, but escapes. Yeah, dude. So now that I in like this, all of this, this whole part, the movie finally kind of started to tell me what it was sort of what it was getting across the trauma of the miscarriage and this flesh demon she is she and when i saw it more form this is very hellraiser but this is before hellraiser so clive barker might have seen this film and got maybe i'm just speculating yeah got an inkling of an idea from it because she's feeding this thing the the body parts of the people she kills and it's growing into a more human-like entity almost like she might be uh, well let me not let me not speculate on getting to my final thoughts there but um I, 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 I loved all of this. I loved it for as much confusion as the movie is, is putting me in. I feel like it's purposeful at this point. I've given into that at this point, I've given into the not given in. I'm enjoying the performances. Like, I'm just like, dude, yeah, do this. You weird old movie. The special effects are on par for what they're doing. They're not doing anything that requires so much that it's, it looks, nothing looks bad so far to me when it comes to the horror effects i agree it, it was pretty good yeah i'm i'm just like i'm i'm sold at this point and and you you're like fuck that miscarriage dance fuck all the bile and the screaming and the craziness what about the fucking creature like like being more like what were you thinking at this point where the creature's more fleshed out and you see it actually i i, I knew that's where it was going though that's that, the, the very second i saw the creature i i i hundred percent was going hellraiser i was like yep hellraiser this creature's feeding on these these people like that's where i was like yep she's bringing them in there it's feeding on these people and it's gonna grow or morph into something i like i like that you caught that then I, this is when i caught it but again i have to reiterate this is pre-hellraiser bitches death and sex Heinrich calls Mark for help as Marjorie arrives with groceries, but then faints and Mark leaves. Okay, movie. After visiting Anna's apartment where Mark finds the dead bodies, he meets Heinrich at a bar. And in the bathroom, Heinrich's trying to convince Mark to help Anna and alert the authorities. Or he kind of blackmails him like right, like real quick. You notice that? He kind of blackmailed him. Mark Mark decides to end this uh, in a different way. He takes a shoe and a feather from the garbage can, goes into the bathroom stall, shoves the shoe into the chute, 
I don't know what you call that part of a toilet. And then gags himself with a feather to like mimic throwing up. And he's pleading with Heinrich, like, please come help me. Heinrich walks in there and Mark smashes his fucking head in with the top of the, the porcelain toilet, killing him. <laughs> um, he, and then he, then he shoves Heinrich's face into in the, the toilet. Pu- in the puke bowl, like framing it like a fucking accident. He returns to Anna's apartment and using the gas stove there and some intricate little, this, this part kind of made him spy like, right. Where he set up a little trap to, to, I think he he used a mouse trap or something to set off a chain reaction that would uh, explode the gas, setting the apartment building ablaze. And he hauls ass on Heinrich's uh, motorcycle to get away. Like, thoughts on this yeah i mean this is this is a point of movie where everything's kind of coming together you're like okay you know there are some some slow points they're wrapping everything up and they're they're trying to tie it all up here and it's kind of intense it's fast paced and you're at this point you're like what's his end game Mark returns home and he finds Margie on the brink of death bloody and with knife wounds all over her in the elevator and he carries her body back upstairs and there awaits Anna and they have sex. So more sex. Mark tries to dispose of Margie's body, wrapping it in, I guess, a shower curtain or something. And then he stows it in the trunk of his, his car. It was like a big, uh, like a, like a tuxedo bag kind of deal. Cause I had like oh. the, the hole on the top for the hanger and everything. And yeah, like a, like uh, a dry cleaning bag or something. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. I didn't, I didn't catch that. Um, Heinrich's mother then calls Mark looking for Heinrich's soul, having recently discovered his dead body. She went down to that, that apartment, saw it on fire. And then and, and I, I want to mention Heinrich's mother has been a character in this film over the phone in a few scenes. I, I, I forgot to mention her. Um, so Mark goes to Heinrich's mother's. I believe he's at Heinrich's mother's and finds Anna there having full-on sex with this fetus monster on camera. And it's crazy. And she's looking Mark in the eyes and saying, almost, almost, almost. (laughs) Dude, I'm like, what is going on? Mark meets with Heinrich's mother, who suspects Mark to be the angel of death. (laughs) And she knows that her son's soul was taken by Mark poisons herself, lays down in bed, committing suicide. And as her soul leaves her body, the window opens and the wind blows. Okay. The what the fuck of this movie just happened? Mm-hmm. what She's... This is brazen, okay? You already said it yourself for 1981. I mean, think about it. This same year, we get the werewolf scene from, like, werewolf sex scene from The Howling. Pretty good, not super racy like this. You get the tree rape scene from Evil Dead. I would say is that's probably more racy than this, but yes, yeah. Um, but this is uh, this is in there, man. This, this is this is some fucked up looking shit. And I was like, the movie went there. It went there. It actually went there. It said it, and like Chekhov's gun. It's sh- by the third act. It's showing it. Full on flesh creature sex. Yeah. Yeah. They, oh man. There, there's at this point in the movie, you're just left like, okay, this is showing me what's going on, but in your brain, you're trying to piece everything together. And like, what does it mean? What's going on? 
Yeah. Well, Mark, Mark is clearly now committed. Oh, he's always been committed the whole movie. It seemed to getting his wife back. It never mattered what she was doing to him. He, he just always wanted her back. And now he's, he's, he's at the point where he's killing people for her. He's hiding bodies for her. Um, and all of this, all of this is going to tie into that, that, that traumatized miscarriage. I mean, it, it, that's where it's going. Don't open the door. Mark arrives down the street from Heinrich's mother's. He enters a taxi that had just let a patron out where he holds the driver at gunpoint and tells the man to crash into the nearby cop car. The guy's like, with pleasure, because <laughs> you got a gun in my head. And as the driver is doing so, Mark does a tuck and roll, bails out the car. The taxi crashes into the back of the cop car. The, the cabbie flees. Cops run out of the house and they fucking start shooting at Mark. Blood bursts into the air. Mark falls into the street. The camera work is awesome at this point. The pace is, you said earlier, manic. It's manic as fuck. It's, it's, it's frantic and it's everywhere. Mark kills one of the officers. Someone, I can only assume now, Anna, peels out of the driveway, backs into a cop car, just careening into it and takes off down the street. Margie's bloody body spilling out onto the ground. All of these cars just magically start exploding. And boom, 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 boom. Bruh, I was like, damn. So Mark is now on the, in the streets on Heinrich's motorcycle, and he's he's severely injured. He cannot keep you know his, his wherewithal. He ends up spinning out, crashing, and he he enters what I assume is their apartment building, Mark and Anna's original home's apartment building. The geography of everything is not clear here to me, but that's what I take it as. It's a big, big, tall, winding spiral staircase. Yes, yes. Mark, Mark is, is climbing the staircase and he's gasping for breath. And, and I just I feel like I can hear the blood in, in his lungs almost. You hear tires screeching outside and Anna arrives and ascends the staircase, followed by a man that looks exactly like mark it's another sam neil uh -huh. before mark can shoot the doppelganger the police open fire at the bottom of the staircase pretty much no sense. they are why well, they followed They're, the blue car yeah, well but i'm saying there's no way that they would have the angle oh well i don't know but uh, dude we'll, look at what we're watching already i mean <laughs> shut up and just accept the gunfire i'm just saying that, that bothered me that bothered me <laughs> oh at this point geez louise um <laughs> sorry um they, they 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 fucking fuck up mark and anna the doppelganger doesn't get hit at all which is odd it's very odd almost like he's some kind of ghost or something who knows anna that Mark and Anna have some weird last kiss before Anna picks up the gun and fatally shoots herself through her back and through Mark's stomach. Weird, yeah, it was a weird angle that she did, but it creeped me out to be honest. And it's like, yeah. damn, bitch, you're gonna fucking kill us both, huh? All right, I see how it is. Uh, right after that, Mark gets up and tosses himself just straight down that spiral staircase and commits suicide. He's he's on the floor. He's fucking dead. The doppelganger runs upstairs and escapes through the roof. We see Helen babysitting Bob in Mark and Anna's apartment, and the doorbell rings. Bob starts screaming, don't answer the door. Don't open it. Don't open the door. The door. Hold door. 
Oh, he runs upstairs and falls face first into a full tub of water. And the ending of this film has Helen staring into all of this madness while you see the silhouette of the doppelganger behind her, the glass pane of the front door uh-huh. and sirens and explosions can be heard all around outside. Presumably uh, the, the, the boy killed himself, drowned himself in the tub. That's what, that's what you're led to believe. That's one of the things I could assume. And the fetus not being shot by the cops, seemingly intangible. It, it begs the question. And this is what what I was going to bring up is that I think that the, the, the traumatized Anna ended up, I guess, becoming a murderer. And the, the, the father found this out because she was always leaving. She was always coming back. She was always leaving, always coming back. Maybe Heinrich was a lover, but he ended up becoming a victim. If the demon's not real, if the doppelganger is not real, and I don't know to like at this point whether or not to believe it is, I, I don't know. Um, I think the imagery at the end where the little boy commits suicide, his parents probably both got caught by the cops. This, this, this ghost of a fetus has haunted all of all of this. But I don't understand what Helen looking exactly like Anna means, but having different colored eyes. I did not notice if the doppelganger of Mark had different colored eyes. There could be a whole lot more going on in this movie. And that's why I say this bears a second watch. What did you think of all, the insanity, though? I want to say of the final like climax of all of this. Very fast-paced. I, I love when a movie... I've said this before. When a movie ramps the fuck up at the end... And this movie, to me, never really didn't have a, a, a ramped-up pace. It started slow, and to me, it kept building and building and building. But w- when it does this Evil Dead style or an American Werewolf in London style... Don't you dare compare this to those two films. I mean, I'm just <laughs> saying with the... the end, dude, the end, it reminds me of like a rampage, yeah. like chaos and and... It's it's brilliant to watch. It's 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 it gets my adrenaline going while I'm watching it. I'm just like my mind is sparking. I'm like, oh shit, god damn movie, you throwing it all at the wall. Yeah, there's, there's, I would say the one thing with this movie, whether I, I'll bet some people would call it a a flaw, and I'll bet some people would call it a like a, like a like a high point of it would just be all the 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 nuances and everything that's going on in it because like you said there is so much for you to unpack and for you to kind of really just discuss with this is a movie where you could sit down and have a conversation and everybody could have a different interpretation as far as what's going on it's very open-ended and yeah that's basically that's how the movie ends is you're you're left with you know, does uh, does the son Bob? Does Bob kill himself? Does Bob know something? Clearly, Bob knows something that's going on because he <laughs> he knew that it wasn't his dad at the door. I mean, he's like, you know, don't let him in, kind of thing. And there, there's oh man, there, there's just so much going on with this. Or, or he he could be saying, don't let it, don't let in the pain of the past, don't let the trauma win. Like, there's a lot of ways to, and that's why I I'm saying, and I'll give my final thought and rating here. Yep. This and I've given this final thought already. This was going to be it. This is a movie I want to watch again. I'm I relate to this movie in certain ways right now. And 
but that aside the what the what this unknown to me this is a great definition of a hidden gem no one talks about this movie it's wholly original on its own i've never seen a story like this in a film i've just never seen it done like this at all at all name me a film that's like this movie i can't i can't well, and 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 ian and and how you enjoyed it aside because it's all subjective for me i enjoyed this movie and and struggled with it too it was it was not an easy watch it was not but uh, we recently um covered another film from 1981 on the other show that i do the nightclub uh, scanners the, the cronenberg body horror film i i really liked that movie a lot i came in with an 8.75 on it um I'm going to go ahead and give Possession an 8.5. I really love this, and I want to see it again to, to, to dive in and, and, and try to dissect more and more because I think this is a movie that will reward rewatches. This is, this is very rewatchable for the intriguing aspects of it. And for me, like I said, the performances and the cinematography, the choices that the director made or allowed the actors to make, the dialogue is it's a lot of meat that you could sink your teeth into. I, I love all the symbolism in it too. I, and I don't understand it all. I don't understand all of it. And the movie does make some weird choices that I, again, it's the rewatch factor. I got to see it again to really under, to try to understand it. Maybe it's un understandable. And I think it's meant to be ambiguous and open-ended in all kinds of ways. We've had a lot of discussion here tonight that honestly made me, you know, see, see it a little bit differently, but also reinforce some of the things that I, I was like getting out of it the first time for this first watch. So I'm going to come in with an 8.5 out of 10. Okay. Let's see here. This movie, I feel like the director had a direction he wanted to go. He had some ideas. I feel like he had, he, he tried to put too many different aspects of film into this one if that makes sense because there's there's a lot going on i i feel like he tried to pack like two or three film ideas into one and i felt that it got very convoluted and it was very confusing i will agree to an extent that yeah if you watch this again you'd probably get a little bit more very very open-ended up to interpretation the problem I had was just following it. This, this movie was over two hours long and there was just so much that was going on. You're constantly left wondering and guessing and trying to put pieces together. And I do appreciate that in a movie. I do like that. I like that aspect and that idea of that open interpretation as far as you, you know, it, it's, it goes back to that old saying as far as, you know, what you build up in your own brain is going to be better than what the director can put into uh, actual film. But a lot of the problems I had stemmed from the very beginning, Sam Neill's overacting, I thought was just very distracting and it pulled me away from the very beginning. The characters. Okay. Well, here's what I'm going to say first off. And I know that Tibu is going to, not agree with me but i felt that the acting in this as a whole was just atrocious sam neill's overacting was just it was it was it was disappointing uh the 
I mean, it was, it was, it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. Anna, her whole thing. I would have, I, okay. Here's, here's, here's to give you a little different angle as far as where I'm coming. If this was a true possession film where she was being physically possessed by a demon, she's I possessed by her trauma. They're, but, they're, they're, they're doing performance art, boss tuna get cultured. You fucking artless swine. Yeah, that's the thing is it, it i did not buy it they they didn't sell it well enough for me to to buy it if if she was actually possessed by an actual demon then i would have been able to buy it more but it was just again so convoluted because i i felt that where it went wrong was at the end you did have that great twist i mean it was a good reveal at the end that this creature was a an exact replica of 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 Sam Neill's character, um, Mark. What does that mean? If, if it, so, okay. So we're, we're going to use the mis- the miscarriage is definitely part of the story at this point. It's a big part. That yeah. whole scene as, as, as atrocious as you found it is, is almost a centerpiece of the movie where she's having that subway fit. And that reveals what, what this fetus creature is. That's why it makes me wonder, like, what is the what is the deal with him looking just like Mark? Is be, so she it really was had an interpretation as far as you know the trauma that she's gone through. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't buy it. the The character of Heinrich was, oh, I hated him. It, it was so <laughs> distracting and awful. Like that actor, I, I, I mean, that performance just he he ruined it his weird like fucking i mean if you're gonna have him fight like that where he's doing some weird fucking karate shit give me some fucking backstory that he is like you know another spy or something like that but just the the way that he was fighting in that first scene i felt it so comedic it just pulled me out of everything i was i was laughing too i agree it was comedic to me but but i don't need it fit it doesn't fit in this like, just have him like do a regular like just a regular bar fight where you're just punching no. and hitting but no i was like dude epic okay. stupid karate <laughs> yeah it was it was so terrible i'm like here we have like this generic fucking german bond villain which is heinrich and it just made no sense i thought he was <laughs> french <laughs> i thought he was well, i mean his name's heinrich so that's i don't i, I know but I, just to me, his accent sounded French, and I don't know why, Boston. I don't know why. I, I hated the cinematography, and I know I didn't. I wanted to keep my mouth shut because I know you liked it, but I just felt it was clunky. There were a couple of good scenes, but you know, I, I did like the you know when when you meet Mark initially, and he is in front of all of his employers, and the cameras doing circles around them. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. I kind of like that, but overall, the cinematography was was clunky. The biggest thing is, is the characters. They're so unlikable. I hated every fucking character in that movie, whether it was Mark or Anna or Heinrich, um, you know, even Bob, like fuck Bob. Like what the fuck? Little fucking douchebag kid. Helen as well, too. She was weird as fuck. Like just, you know, like when she's getting naked, are you going to fuck? Anyways, (laughs) I don't know. know, And and then you saying, I I feel like in some case, well, maybe it's because I don't like this movie, but I wrote down early on, you were saying that you need a second watch to really get behind this movie. Like part of me is like, you know what? Get it right on the fucking first time. But anyways, I, I, I don't want to go any further. I think everyone kind of knows where I'm coming at, but I'm, I'm a three and a half on this. 
This was this that's, was just that's awful. a disgust. That's a disgusting rating. It was awful. Um, I going back going back. Oh no, yeah, going back to what they said in the film. This is disgusting. This this disgusting. No, three and a half. I did not like this movie one bit. I didn't like any really aspects of it. You know, I would say that maybe the best part was is when they decided this when they decided to hire uh, Carlos Rambaldi to do the creature mm. effects because that was the best part about this fucking movie. So, oh, I, I agree again, Rambaldi. That's why Rimbaldi. I wanted to mention him before we got into it, man. He yeah. he did a great job on apparently no budget. You said what? Uh, Three million or two point something? Uh, yeah, the budget on this one was two point four million. I'm dis I'm I'm disappointed that you didn't like it. Um, but at least you got it under your belt. There's possession, and I'm definitely yeah. gonna rewatch it. We have different philosophies on the first time watch versus rewatch thing. I know that. Right. So that 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 plays into it for me sometimes. But even on this first watch, man, I got enough out of it that I know that I I've I've given this movie a, a whole lot of love or a lot no. Yeah, a whole lot of love. A lot of love? I don't know. Love it gotta watch it again 8.5 from t boo and a 3.5 from boss tuna god damn god damn that if it's that if it's that divisive you have to check it out i agree i win i agree and winning is all that counts (laughs) (laughs) watch this movie let us know what you think shoot us a message on facebook an email um we will read them on the next show for sure because i am kind of blown away that tibu liked this movie that much joe blow horror show at gmail.com or facebook slasher instagram twitter hit us up yeah hit us up let us know i will literally read your guys's comment on this movie on the show because i am curious to see where you fall join the discord as well too but yeah that's it possession 1981 three and a half from boss tuna 8.5 from tibu when we return we will be talking about the second feature closing out episode number 69, 69, which is hold the dark. We'll be right back. I'm going to go piss real quick. All right. It's still recording. And I don't know if you can hear me, but you'll hear me back on the recording. You'll, you'll see this audio pop up and you're going to listen to it. You son of a bitch. You didn't like possession, huh? You didn't like all that craziness, huh? You didn't like being confused for that long, huh? Yeah, that's right. I called you an artless swine. That's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be your new moniker on the nightclub when you come back on art. And tonight we have with us on the nightclub the artless swine himself, Boss Tuna. He doesn't know possession from Pazuzu. <laughs> Neither did I going into it, admittedly. Um. I really thought this was going to be a possession film. And in a way it was possessed by pain and sadness. Oh, 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 oh. Could you hear me the whole time? What's that? Could you hear me the whole time? No. <laughs> I will go when I had it. I know. All let's right. get into let's get into it. Post show talk is post show talk. You son of a bitch. Dear Mr. Core, three days ago my son Bailey was taken by wolves 
No one in the village will hunt them. My husband will come home from the war soon. I must have something to show him. So you come to kill it? To kill the one that took him? I came to help if I can. To explain this if I can. It's not the first time people died out there. Hillside is scattered with pieces of bodies. That's what you get when you talk to the villagers. People are dying. Not real enough. Help! Leave us to the devils. You're the one fault, my boy. Yes. Can you raise the dead? No, sir. Then I have no questions for you. Never seen anything like this before. Behavioral term is savaging. No. I'm not talking about animals here, Mr. Core. Well, if you say so. What's outside those windows? It gets in you. Find it. Kill it. Kill it. Kill it. second feature review we will be discussing and reviewing and breaking down and talking about hold the dark this is a 2018 netflix original rated tv mature clocking in at 125 minutes ironically enough only one minute longer than the previous film we had just talked about so a little little parallel there no no the credits were longer for hold the dark well, yeah, but it's it's 124 no, minutes. I'm, I'm, no, I'm mad. I'm mad now. I'm holding the grudge the whole the rest of the episode. No, <laughs> possession 124 minutes. Hold the dark 125 minutes. Boom. This is a movie that is a Netflix original. This was directed by Jeremy Solonier, and he is very recognizable from Blue Ruin, Green Room, Murder Party. Uh, Tibu, what do you think this got on the B? Oh, man. Um, 7.1. 5.6. What do you think this got on I or Rotten Tomatoes critic score? 78%. 71%. You were close. You said 7.1 for the IMDb. It was 71%, though, for Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah. guess the, the budget on this one. Oh man. Oh, 2018 and this threw me for a loop a little bit on this one, but I'm going to say like $7 million somewhere around there. So I had to do some digging, but I found a quote from the director, Jeremy Solonier. And he said, this was a $22 million movie that we made that listen that we made for 15 million. Okay. All right. That's, that's more reasonable. It's still, still on the high end of what i thought but yeah 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 but it but it makes sense because it's pretty expansive in scope if you think about it It, it's it's beautiful yep so 
Jeremy Solonier, this is written by Macon Blair, who is a good friend of his because he's pretty much starred in every one of his movies. He's also in this for a little short bit as well, too. He was Sean or Shan or whatever. And we'll get to him in the movie as well, too. But this one is starring Jeffrey Wright, who is known. I, I knew him first from Westworld, but he's also Felix Leitler in the, the, the newer Bond movies with um, Daniel Craig. But he's also in The Invasion and uh, The Batman. He's the new, um, is it Joseph? Or not Joseph Gordon. Uh, Dete- or Detective Spectre, Gordon. Inspector yeah, whatever. Gordon, whatever. That, that's, I recognized him from the, the, the latter, from, from Batman and from um, yeah. what, what you said. Right, what, no, no, the, the, the other movie. Yeah, The Invasion from yep. back. That's the Nicole Kidman film, I think. Yes, yeah. This also stars Alexander Skarsgård who plays Vernon. So Jeffrey Wright, my fucking man, dude, bro. He is, he's a fucking stud. I, I knew him first from straw dogs, which is a remake from the go, go, go watch, I believe. go watch the Northman. Yes. Yep. I was just going to get there. Straw dogs is where I think he became recognizable, but yeah, he was in uh, the Northman as well. He's Randall flag in the stand. And he was also in hidden, which was, I believe a 2015 film, which is pretty good. Check that out. Uh, James Badge Dale. I, I want. I want to say. I want to say real quick for people who don't know, he was in the stand, right? So he was in a That's Stephen what King I just work. Said. Yeah, right. His his brother is Bill Skarsgård, who is yes. Pennywise the clown. Right. You're. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So, James Badge Dale played Donald, who I will refer to as the sheriff. He was also in The Gray, which I thought was funny because that was another Wolf movie. Why won't He's, you call him Miriam? call him what miriam what's miriam? donald donald miriam oh yeah yep no i just called him the sheriff uh, but yeah he was in world war z he was in the empty man as well and then oh. lastly but not leastly riley keogh and it's funny because i drew parallels between this and one of my other the lodge i loved her in the lodge yes yes yep. i knew i knew you would have that heart on yep yep so she was also in it comes at night and mad max so this uh, as i said is a netflix original this was shot in canada in 61 days it was adapted um from a book and i mean have you heard of this one before have you seen it give me give me your thoughts history whatever on this zero when you announced this as our movie i had no idea what it was went in completely blind never heard of it before nothing zero zilch okay okay well do you have anything before we get into hold the dark 2018 hell no i just want to get into the dark let's do it let's do it bud the author oh unteachably after evil but uttering truth is a quote we see surrounded by ominous horns in the opening cold frozen landscape. We see a boy playing in the snow. He looks up to see a wolf. Then he's gone. Medora, his mother writes Russell to come kill the wolf that has now taken three kids. We see Medora is alone and her husband is in war. Russell decides to stay with her to help find the wolf after he enters the Alaskan town. We are left wondering if Medora is just grieving mother or if she's having a mental breakdown when Russell finds her wandering the home naked and with a mask. She gets into bed with Russell 
and she wants him to choke her, but no no shenanigans ensue. <laughs> the scene ends with stranger staring at the house. Yeah, the, the, this whole thing, the opening caught me. I mean, uh, right away you get beautiful scenery. It's this, it's snow horror. You know, snow is attractive. You you've expressed your love for it. I too have a similar love for that aesthetic when it comes to a, a horror film. I'm, I'm pulled in right away. This woman's grieving over her kid being lost. Uh, no doubt dead because other kids in this town have gone missing with, with these wolves being the, you know, the acute, the accused. And Jeffrey Wright is just in, he's magnetic. He's mm-hmm. magnetic from the get go. He's not even doing much, but he's magnetic. And you feel the performances like they're heavy right here. They're heavy at the start of the film. The weirdness I was just sitting there like, what is, what does she want to be choked out for? Brown chicka, wow, wow. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. what the hell's going on, movie? Yeah, it, it does such a good job because you have this almost, he, he's like a stoic, quiet character. And you can tell that he's kind of empty inside. And you're trying to figure out his motivations. And then you have Riley Kewa, who she's an excellent actress. The, this whole scene is just awkward and again you're you're left just is there mental issues in in problems that are are you know stemming just from the disappearance of her son or is there something ongoing and it's ominous too she's talking to herself in the bathtub there's the camera focusing on this mask you knew right away that that mask was going to have some kind of effect in this whole movie the war. We see a Humvee racing across the desert, following a vehicle into an ambush. We meet Vernon, Vernon Sloan, who we know as the husband of Medora. He cuts them down with the mounted machine gun as the vehicle overturns and they get ambushed. Back in the confines of the city, Vernon finds a soldier raping a civilian. He approaches him, brutally stabs him, He then gets shot by a sniper as they are being ambushed inside of their own base. He leaves and is airlifted. The last thing you hear is another soldier saying, you're going home. Yeah, dude, this this threw me, okay? Because they mentioned he was at war, but I didn't know we were actually going to get some real... This is part of the reason why I bumped this budget up to $7 Knowing that Nick Shostakovsky made Black Mountainside on a budget of a million dollars in a wintry setting with an extensive set, I was like, okay, I could see how that that would be achievable here for like two, three million bucks based on everything they do. This this war shit, I was like, God damn. And it's intense and it's brutal. And the rape, the raping and then the, the stabbing. And I'm like, oh, shit. Again, just more and more pulled in. I was pulled in by the first scene. I'm pulled in by this. And Skarsgård, he's great. This movie does such a fantastic job of establishing characters right off the bat. There, there's no, it's it's at face value. You meet each character and you get them. There, there's really no, as I like to say, development mm. per se. Because you, well, I mean. I, based I'll okay. I'm, I'll 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 say based on this scene, <laughs> he's not the guy I thought he was. So that's You're all right. I'm gonna say. 
okay, and and we're gonna get us into some spoiler territory, but he is again. There is parallels that can be drawn, and and I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit because I want to talk about this at the very end of the movie. But there's parallels that can be drawn between him and Russell Core at this point because he is again he's very stoic. He's there's no emotions. He's walking. He's having a cigarette. He sees this this we'll call her Iraqi, I believe. Well, this is in Fallujah. I'm I'm assuming. Why save her if you're if if uh, yeah, we're kind of spoiling, right. but if he's the guy he is, yep. we're not going to fully break it down, but why even give a shit? Because this almost gives you a little swerve with the morals or lack thereof. I, I want to say I don't have a problem with this. I'm just right. confused by it, but no problem because the scene's so good. The scene and is it, so and it's good. brutal. It is so brutal. I mean, this yeah. is one of his comrades and he, the, the way he kills him. You know, oh, we didn't say him. that. Yeah, the, the, the soldier that's raping the 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 Fallujian woman you said mm-hmm. is an American. It's it's yes. it's yeah, yep. it's a comrade, and it's just brutal. Like he 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 stabs him to the point where you know he's hitting the carotid or not the carotid, the brachial artery in his armpit, Ugh. and he's laying there bleeding out, and he you know gives the knife to the woman that was getting raped. He walks out of the building, and you just hear her finishing him off mm-hmm. and out of nowhere. Yep. Shot right through his neck again, which parallels. I mean, it parallels the end of the yes. movie. Yes. 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 So very strong opening home, home on the range. Back in Alaska, Russell core is gearing up to head out a beautiful shot as he, the, the cabin, we see the sun is barely rising. As he's walking out of town, a woman harbinger stops him on his way out, warning him of the evil that is Medora and telling him to go home. After hours of trekking through the frozen wasteland, the tundra, Russell finds a pack feasting on a what you find out is a pup. But a clumsy misstep causes him to fall and reveal his position. A showdown then ensues. The wolves are approaching him, but with a clear shot on the alpha, he passes. He then heads back to the house. Medora is nowhere to be found, and a curious Russell core finds and discovers a basement. In the basement, he finds the wrapped body of Bailey Sloan, the son that he was meant to go and find. After a police interview, Russell heads to a hotel, but not before he learns the villagers believe Medora is possessed by a wolf demon. Known as Ternak. Okay, so at this point, the there's a mystery afoot. It's a mystery movie now. It's not a wolf hunt movie. It's a mystery movie, and I love this. This threw me for a loop. I didn't expect it at all, and 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 now you're you're blending this, you know, Alaskan. I don't know what you'd call them. The Inuits. Uh, yeah. Yep, they're the natives. The Inuits. Yes. Their mythology is is now starting to bleed into this film, kind of heavy, and I I didn't know where it was gonna go. Wolf, you talk about a wolf demon possession. I'm like, bruh. All right, what's gonna happen now? So good, such a good buildup. It's it's just building up. It's building. It's slow. This movie's definitely slower than our first feature, as far as like its pacing. But it worked. But th- for this movie, this is what it needs to be doing. It's working. 
I got I got I got hints, hints, just slight hints of uh Wind River. Yes, yep, for sure. Um hundred percent. This is very easy to throw in that same category. And I, I will go ahead and say that this is not going to be your typical standard horror movie. This is definitely, as I said, last episode, it's a fringe horror. There's a lot of elements going into this, but this is yeah. a very story driven character driven, but it's dark. Yeah. It's, it's definitely shot like a horror movie and the score is, is pretty fantastic with this. Mm-hmm. I agree. The flashback. Bailey and his father, Vernon, sit by the river after a successful deer hunt, discussing death and his father's impending deployment. We then flash forward to Cheon, who is a friend, picking Vernon up and bringing him home. After he recovers from being shot in the neck, he's going home to see his supposedly dead son. Along with Russell, the three are at the police station and Vernon sees his deceased son on the table. A sobbing Vernon is, is heard among the police as well as Cheon and Russell. A distraught Vernon says bye to Russell. He shakes his hand in an awkward scene. He then leaves with the sheriff as a sheriff escorts Russell out of the, out of the, the town. Out of nowhere, Vernon then executes the two deputies. He and Cheon then leave to bury Bailey and they split up. On his way out of town to search for Medora, Vernon then stops by to see the Harbinger. A lot going on here. Very, Bruh. yeah. Very, this, this is what I would say is the turning point in, in, in the entire movie where shit gets real. Had you seen this movie before? You didn't, you didn't say yes. that. Yes, I did. This was okay. on, yep, this was on my I mean, spoiler alert, it was on my top of 2018 list. See, I know I've heard that episode and I don't remember that this was on your list. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying I just don't remember. So I'm glad I didn't remember that going into it. Yet turning point. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Brutal, (laughs) brutal, unexpected, too. Did you did you see that coming at all? No, no. (laughs) Like based on the previous scene, no. I know, right? I had no idea. Th- this is the um, the shot in the face scene. Yes, that went okay. And something else is going to happen later in this movie. But oh, fucking a, it is. Yeah, when whenever there's f- facial horror, like like oh, dude, he it reminds me of Pan's Labyrinth. He just shot him point blank in the face, and yep. then both of then them. that that younger man, he he said no, don't, and he turned away, and it was it's just it's brutal, dude. It's right on, it's right there in your face. It's right. The movie puts it right there, and I don't, I could not tell if that was CGI. I'm assuming it is, but it I could was not done tell. damn well, very very well, effective as fuck. Yes. Very powerful scene because this this really elicits emotion because even though that, you know, on one hand, we're seeing the monster that Vernon is seconds before that we see a father mourning his son. I mean, it's well, sad. It's, it's a this, tear-jerking moment. This is part of the mystery for me because I, I like I, I got flip-flopped. But the flip-flop really comes for me a little bit later at this point because they put the blood on the coffin, right? 
yeah, you're you're there's blood rituals going on. I mean, this is getting this is we getting didn't, fucking squirrely. We didn't get there yet. I just yeah, I, I pretty for much the list, for the listener's sake. I literally just watched this movie right before we recorded, so a lot of details and and time timeline might be a little so, squirrely. Yeah, so that's what happened. Is 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 Madeira's gone and he goes to the police station. He identifies his dead son. who's probably what? Six years old. Mm. They take the body and they go, they essentially do some kind of weird blood ritual burial. And then they split up. Well, well, well I was that all that being said, when they put the blood symbol on the coffin, mm-hmm. that just tied it more into knowing that there's the folklore of, of the Inuits or I want I hope I'm saying the right term yeah. for, for those yes. people. Yes. Um, it just it just it just drew me in more and more that folklore shit i'm like yeah dude what the fuck is going on and what would cause him he must be up to something what would cause him to point blank murder these innocent men and you find out later like the coroner was about to retire and everything else i'm like god damn dude yep miss core a sick russell core is holed up in his hotel room he tries to get a hold of his estranged daughter. After everything he's seen, it's led to believe that he has an estranged relationship with his daughter and he's feeling guilty. He can't help but think about everything that has happened up to this point. He decides to head out. We see the aftermath at the police station and Vernon is out hunting his wife. Russell goes back to Keelut. That's that Alaskan to- town. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> yep. Only to find the murdered body of the harbinger slit neck so disgusting so awesome and he he's like at this point you're like ah well no that's going to tie into the scene coming up uh but it it would appear it would appear almost if things would have went a different way that he could have maybe murdered her i'm glad the movie didn't go that route to be honest i didn't want to get caught up in that drama i wanted him to remain the character he was in the standing that he was amongst you know the, the police and what's going on but yeah, I, <laughs> I'm just going to shut up because what's about to happen is a 10. Mm-hmm. It's a 10. So I'm going to shut up now. Uh, you can give your thoughts on this scene, but. I mean, a- it's, it's again, Jeffrey Wright is just fucking chewing up scenery at this point. He's sick. He's laying in his hotel room. We know for a fa- from previous conversations with Madeira, he's got a strained relationship with his daughter. He's trying to get a hold of her. He's feeling just sick to his stomach after everything that's happened. This is an author. He's literally an author that was called out to help find a wolf that's taken supposedly three children. Well, he, he had done this before, though. He, he's done this before, and he's Once killed. Before. He's just saying he's a wolf expert. He's an author, yeah. but he's he's. You mentioned that, and when you described him, but mm-hmm. he is an expert at um in in like just tracking guess, hunting and yes wolf behavior. Yes. Yep. The man for the job. Boo. The police arrive in town. They're looking for Vernon. An intense conversation occurs between the sheriff and Cheon at Cheon's home. A scorned Cheon explains that the cops did nothing when his daughter was taken by the wolves. The sheriff retreats only to wait for a tactical unit to engage Cheon to try to get him out safely. But we find out that Cheon has a mounted machine gun in the second story window 
of his home, he begins to mow down the cops. After an intense gun battle resulting in the deaths of many cops, Cheon meets his maker as the sheriff ends up sneaking up on him and gunning him down. Holy fucking shit. All right. So the, they have the conversation in the doorway. Cheon opens up his home to, uh, uh, I forget the guy's guy. Donald, his name is sheriff. Uh, no, his name is Donald. So that's Miriam. Yeah, Miriam. Yep. So Miriam, <laughs> Sheriff Miriam there, and they have this intense fucking conversation, and it's full of emotion and pain. And he tells him, your wife's going to get that call. Cheon tells the sheriff, your wife is going to get that call today. Hand on her belly. She's going to get that call, meaning you're going to die today. How did you not catch that sheriff? He's walking back. Uh. Russell, who's just come from the cabin of the slain Inuit, uh, I'm just going to call her the, the fucking prophesier or whatever the fuck she is. And he sees the fucking door fly open. The gun is coming out the window. He's like, oh, watch out. Pop, 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 pop. You get the face horror. This one chubby cop gets his whole shit blown off and there's teeth exposed and viscera. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And, and, and the sheriff had just got done telling Cheon, dude, honestly, more than half of these guys are green. Like, they're terrified of, of what's happening right now. He, this dude is, what is his motivation here to kill all these innocent people? Like, that dude's a monster. I know he just lost his kid, but that dude's a fucking monster, bro. He shoots and guns down everybody. And Russell's hiding under this car for the majority of it, watching uh, the sheriff and that and his young little like deputized sidekick hide behind a rock. This is intense. And I love the title you gave this because like you said, at the end, at the end of it all, Russell's the man for the job. He runs out there open firing, bow, bow, bow at the second story floor, holding off the gunfire while homeboy's reloading, you know, so he's kind of got that advantage, but He's dragging, he's dragging that young cop away that was going to go rescue his friend. There's so much going on in this scene. And it, he, he, he shoots a little bit or, or he's gonna, and, but Russell looks at him and he's like, stop it. And there was, an, there was something to that that made him stop. Just for a and split he, second. Yes, and he got to drag that kid away and the sheriff sneaks into the house after slyly catching a trap yes. that where like a, 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 a rigged up shotgun if he a opened the back door, yeah, it was a shotgun was oh, going right. to fucking shoot down on him. He, he broke the glass during the gunfire and cut it with some scissors. Talk about the spy that fucking Mark from possession was not. <laughs> right. um, and he, he goes up there, like you said, to the second floor. And that's, I love how you taught it at boo because they have that final. He's like, uh, Cheon's like, your wife's not going to get that call today, but it's the, but that call is always coming like that's fucked up mm -hmm. and, and, and home, uh, the sheriff's nervous homeboy's got a pistol, but he says, boo and jumps and the sheriff boom, blasts his ass out the fucking window. Everything about this. This is a 10 out of 10 fucking scene right here. This is fucking legendary, a legendary shootout. This scene right here. I'm glad that, it, 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 it makes me happy that you enjoyed it because from 2018 until now, this is the most memorable scene I've ever seen in a movie. I have been 
thinking about this movie. I have not rewatched it since I initially saw it. And this scene, I remember, just blew me away. One of my favorite parts, though, is just the dialogue. The conversation you get that lasts for five or ten minutes between Cheon and the sheriff in the doorway is, is phenomenal because he's, he's talking down on him. He's talking to him. He's saying, what do you know about this guy? And he's saying guy as a while, derogatory while, term. While homeboy is using his name and trying to be respectful. Yep. Yep. The, the, the point, the part you pointed out where he said, you guys showed up a day late, stayed for a day and left and never came back. And he's like, we gave you plumbing. We, we, we tried to build this place up. When he when when Chion says in a year this is going to be a ghost town, you're you're He's you're right. you're right on though by pointing out that this entire conversation is that again, dude. This whole scene's a ten. It's a ten. Everything the writing in this entire movie is just fantastic. But the scene was so powerful. It was so powerful. In in. I, I couldn't believe it, but this movie was written by Macon Blair, who was that nerdy fucking dude that starred in Murder Party back in whatever the fucking when 2005 when that was made. Like the ultra, ultra, ultra low budget. It's very impressive. But yeah, this this scene right here makes the movie for me. It was done so well. Just everything from the dialogue to the realism to, like you said, he pointed out, he's like, all of my guys out there are green. That means they're new and they're nervous as fuck. And that's not good for you because they're trigger happy. And he just plays it cool. And, and you know, so you get like a little bit, you know, to answer your question earlier, you get this prelude earlier when he looks at Vernon, he gives him that handshake when they split up and he goes, I'll buy you some time. He has been planning this for a long time. But why? Why is he such an evil fuck? I mean, I think this goes all the way back because he's a native, he's an Inuit. And, you know, you'd think that when the sheriff says, we gave you plumbing, we get, he's like, I don't give two fucks about that. You ruined our lifestyle. But you're murdering innocent people. Yeah. I, I just think that he's, I mean, we find out he, he's, he's, he's a shell of a man. He's got nothing left. His daughter was literally taken by wolves and we're going to get into the whole, this whole thing. Was she actually taken by wolves? We're going to talk about this, but we get that. And then he asks about his wife and she's like, she's gone. She's got no reason to be here anymore. So he's, he's literally got nothing left to live for his daughter being taken and how scorned he is by the fact that this quote unquote government that has come along. And I mean, you can tie this back into the whole history of native americans and you know the united states and canada um he's he's got nothing left he's got no wife he's got no daughter he's again just a shell of a man waiting for that call waiting for that purpose and his purpose is to cleanse the indian hunter based off of a tip vernon received back at the police station he finds out that his wife was spotted at an old mining camp. Vernon arrives at the mining camp only to find out that Madura was there. He talks to the old woman behind the desk and finds that the Indian hunter is awaiting him. He goes to meet the Indian hunter just as Russell is sitting down with dinner. 
with the sheriff and the wife. Back at the mining camp, the Indian hunter makes comments to suggest that Vernon and Madeira are brother and sister. After taking a mask made by the Indian hunter, Vernon shoots him, executing him as he sits. He then escapes under gunfire from the old woman at the mining camp. He is shot, though. He is shot. Vernon then goes to a buddy who tells him about Cheon and removes the bullet from his back. Vernon wakes up only to find out that his buddy is ratting him out. He then swiftly stabs him through the top of his head. Mm-hmm. Bruh, all this was awesome. Like, all right. <clears throat> it also, the, 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 the Indian hunter had, had healed him when he was a kid with wolf oil. Yes. They, they talk about that, and that's, again, more of that folklore shit yep. just yes. bleeding in. And the fact that he puts on that mask, he's like, when's the last time you wore a mask? And then he just, yeah, execute, like you said, dude, straight up executes him. I like that he kind of got his comeuppance a little bit from, from mm-hmm. the, um, the, the still living innkeeper lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That she's and- the one person that kind of, uh, of escaped him. And there is that scene where he looks at her and sees her. And it's almost like a, like a sign of, re- it's almost like he respects her. He's like, okay, yep. I see you. I respect that. I'm just going to continue to get in this vehicle and fucking drive off. Yeah, yeah, he he's peeling out like skidding everywhere, and it's like oh shit, she's shooting at him. It, the intense scene, very intense scene, and and just ominous and revealing more and more of the character that I did not know Vernon truly, deeply was. He's a psychopath. He's straight 100%. up a fucking psychopath. Hundred percent. Yeah, this. I mean, the the movie is really culminating right now because. He, he, he goes back to his house. He's just gnawing on that sandwich. He burns every last piece of evidence that there is based off of him and his wife, throws it in the fire, and goes to meet the Indian hunter, which is ironically a white dude that recognizes him as a kid. And, um, yeah, that, there again, we see that mask. That, that We know that mask is going to be popping up here pretty soon. I got to say the following scene with his buddy felt a little unnecessary in the whole scheme of things. And this movie so far has not wasted a breath. I feel like every scene up until that one was, was, I mean, it, it essential. That one scene felt like, eh, nothing really got revealed. You know, when he, yeah. when he killed his friend that, that helped him out, he could have went back to, well, <clears throat> not to jump ahead, but he could have got he- healed and helped in the cave or wherever, you know, later. So it just, it just, felt, but I'm not going to take away from like the awesome, the, like the actual kill in the scene, you know, that, that, that was cool. Just felt a little unnecessary to me. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I guess I didn't really see it that way. Uh, I just felt that was more of his character development where he's on a war path and oh, he's, he's oh. kind of, yep. And he's kind of running out of, I, I would say, um, commandants or, or you know, friends, if you will. Com- comrades. Com- comrades. And, yeah, he's, you know, going back to an old friend and his old friend's like, it, it looks you. like I'm he's tur- part I'm of tur- a group. I'm turning you in. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you'd think though that he's part of the group. He's like talking to him. Like they've, you know, they've been friends since they were kids and he's like, dude, he's like, you didn't fucking hear about Cheon and he fills them all in on everything that went down. And you know, Oh, that's true too. Okay. You, you, you made, you made two points about this scene that I felt was unnecessary already that like you, you're turning me around on this scene. Like, uh, yeah, he needs to know about his friend that that could fuel the fire. Yep. And also that his other friend is now going to turn rat on his ass. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it, like you said, throwing gasoline on the fire, it's just fueling everything for him. And it's just gearing him up for, for the final showdown. Shit. Awesome, dude. Awesome. The hunter. Russell and the sheriff board a float plane. They're headed out to search for Vernon in the vast wilderness of what we know as Alaska. After a beautiful flight through the mountains, they sat down near a river after they spot smoke coming from a cave. A well-placed arrow, however, from Vernon slices through the neck of the sheriff, killing him almost immediately and leaving behind a husbandless wife and a fatherless unborn child. Russell finds Medora in a cave, but is found and shot by an arrow from Vernon. Medora and Vernon finally meet up. He begins to choke her, but only to embrace her. Yeah, she pulls that mask off of him, dude. He was wearing that creepy-ass wolf, wooden wolf mm-hmm. mask when he shot the sheriff through the neck and in the cave when he goes to fucking choke her out. And he's got, uh, he's got Russell there as his, his, <laughs> his, his game that he caught uh, with that arrow still sticking out his chest, like through his chest and back. She pulls the mask off and it's like, what, what is it in them and what's tying into the folklore here that we've been presented with where the mask is pulled off. She's possessed by the wolf demon spirit. If that's the case, if the folklore is right, they're performing this, um, this death and maybe hopefully to them rebirth ritual with the sun and in the coffin and the blood symbols. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching this scene and I'm just eating it all up, eating it all up. And he turns when she throws that mask off, he turns, he's back to, he's in love with her again. And I, yes. I'm, I mean, going back to possession, they have sex. They were making love, making the sweet love. Yes. No, it's, it's funny because this is a throwback because Russell actually finds this cave in his very first venture out because she mentions the hot springs. So the smoke he seems coming, he sees coming out of the cave is actually the steam coming out of this cave. So that's mm. where he keys in and he tells the sheriff, we need to go down. That's, that's where we need to go. Very intense yeah, scene because she, it's she, go ahead. She had said, she had said earlier to Russell, that's the only place she ever felt warm. Yep. In the in her whole life was that hot spring. So yeah, that ties into the whole thing. Yeah, goddamn. There there's so much going on here with symbolism and and analogies and everything. It's everything's coming together, it's culminating right now and and, and we're going to unpack this here in a minute. But we're 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 nearing that that finale. The post nut finale <laughs> after making the sweet sweet love with uh vernon and madeira vernon then removes the arrow from russell 
he and Madeira leave. Russell attempts to flee the cave, but he collapses just outside the cave. The last glimpse he sees before he passes out are the four wolves. He's then rescued by a couple of trappers on a snowmobile. Vernon and Madeira return to their son's coffin. Russell awakes at the hospital, reunited with his daughter, and credits. I got issues with this ending. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, I love the reunion of the father and the daughter. I love that. Beautiful. I feel like the mother and the father are reunited with their son to a degree. And they're, they're going on their journey wherever that's going to take them. You know that I like ambiguity, right? Oh. This left me wanting because they'd been building in the mythology. They, they have the symbolism. It's all there. And they leave me not panting like I want more. They leave me dry mouthed. Like, what the fuck? What? He just crawls out the cave and gets rescued and they just go on their merry way. And I don't know what's going on with that. I'll say, I'll say for the, for this climax, the, the arrow being extracted scene. Well, first he, uh, Vernon gives Russell a puff of, of his cigarette, which I was like, yeah, that's some respect, you know, like, Hey man, I know it sucks. Then he takes the arrow out and they leave him like, you know, fend for yourself. Now you, you, we're not going to kill you. Cool. It's 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 neither you came to kill us or, or or do something, find us, whatever, but we're gonna let you go. I'm like, all right. And then the movie just teeters out completely for me. Like this this ending was a huge letdown to a great movie. A huge letdown. I, I would love to hear your thoughts on on how this disaster of a of an ending to this great movie. I mean, please sway me, please. So I, I do agree in that. Well, the first thing I'll say is I don't have nearly as big of a problem with the ending as you do. However, I do feel that this ending may have been swayed by producers from what Jeremy. Well, first off, this is based off of a book. I have not read the book. I don't know the ending of the book. But I feel like this is one of those like, hey, you know what? We're going to give this a Hollywood quote unquote ending. And that's exactly what they did. I would have mm. rather seen even that. Even that I don't agree with. Hollywood ending would be like Russell kills them both or something and, and triumphantly re- reunites with his I daughter. This is this is so open ended and, and left like 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 they didn't know how to finish it. Like okay. it, to me, it felt, it felt like they didn't know how to actually end the movie. Well, let's talk about the, I guess, the themes and the the symbology and everything. So I think the one thing that ties everything together is the wolves. And I think there's one scene in particular that we need to focus on. And it's something that I really didn't focus on the first time I saw it. And it was when Russell had his first trek out. Conversation. Oh, it's his first trek out. It's when he left the village and he's out seeking the wolves. He was he was going out there fully intending to find the wolves and to kill them all. So he gets out to track the wolves. He sees all four of them. And what are they doing? They're feasting on a young pup. 
And this can be taken a few different ways as far as, you know, the, the survival of the pack scavenging for food, survival of the fittest. And I think this has a lot to do with what happened with Bailey and their son. So, you know, the wolves, I think that part of him realized something is going on because the wolves wouldn't be eating their own if they just got done eating, uh, you know, an, an, a human child, if you will. And there was that Ooh. scene, there was that scene that show the showdown essentially with him and the alpha, you know, all the wolves, they heard him fall and stumble and they come up on him and he's showing down with the alpha. The alpha gives him like a howl and a couple barks and runs away. What does he do right after that? He goes back into the house and finds Bailey, the son wrapped up in the, the blanket. You also tie this to the fact that the the uh, Indian hunter, if you will, is giving us essentially the information. This is kind of the info dump of the movie in that, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're brother and sister. There's some information that is left out and is ambiguous with their father. Um, but it's almost like he's going and he's, he's trying to, I would say, connect the circle and cut the ties, if you will. And he goes to reunite with her. And there is that scene where, you know, the mask is that symbology of everything. And it's almost like they are literally in that wolf culture and the harbinger talking about the whole Turnack and everything with them uh, being, you know, the wolf demon um, and essentially them sacrificing their son because they don't want him to grow up and be, you know, I mean, let's look at the title of the movie is Hold the Dark. And we are getting information from the character of Madeira, Riley Keough, in the beginning. Like you said, she's never felt warm until she's been in that cave. You know, they're talking about going to, um, you know, again, I, I'm all over the place here, but let's talk about the the No, the no, you, medical, no you, you were making sense, dude. Yep. The medical uh, coroner that's retiring and is going to San Diego and, and Chion's like, I don't know that. I've never heard of that before. And Madeira saying, you know, talking about the, the hot sand between her toes, like I've never felt that before. And I think that that whole, you know, thing with, I mean, oh man, I, I want to talk about, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to finish this thought, but her essentially sacrificing her son because she feels that she's doing the right thing and she's putting him in a good place because she doesn't want him to grow up in the dark. We get info dump again of, yeah, it gets light out at 10 30 PM or AM and it's dark at three 30 PM. Um, you know, we have the other three kids that were taken. Were they actually taken by wolves? I don't think so. Um, there's the whole thing about the, the town becoming a ghost town. It's almost like they're all trying to get back to that whole, you know, the Inuit mythology essentially. Okay. Here's another thing too. follow me here. I'm all over the place. Kilut. I looked this up. Kilut in Inuit mythology is a demonic dog that feeds on the dead. So when Chion gives you that information that this town is going to be a, um, uh, a ghost town in a couple of years. So, I, I mean, it's almost like it's coming full circle and they're, you know, getting back into that, that animalistic characters this, of this, this is what like describing that part of the mythology, like the, the town name meant that is even deeper into the mythology. And I 
all I guess all my my issue is with the ending is that I thought that they would go the folk horror route by the end and give me something more. But the way you're describing and certain things you said about like um, there was something that made me go, oh, shit, <laughs> I forget what it was. Damn it. But the way you're describing the movie, like viewing it through that lens, I get that. I just damn like on, on this watch, I just wish the, the ending would have given me a little something more than, than what it did for, for me. Right. But mm, I love what you're saying though. I and, look at it and, this way. Whereas if you did have Russell core, the author kill Madeira and Vernon, then there would be no conversation as far as no, that, that, right that, that's what it was. It was the brother sister thing. It was the wolf idea of the, of what they're doing and then snuffing out the dark. Like th- there, there's a lot to be said there for like, yeah. if they're, if they're part of, if the mythology is real and they're part of it and, but they're like self-aware and they're the human versions of, cause I mean, to an extent you're, you're almost describing in a way, aside from the Hollywood tropes, a werewolf movie ish yeah ish yeah very fringe but werewolf ish um i could see it from that point of view and and agree like yeah i i i get that and they're saving their son from living in this this hellhole the 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 natives there don't even know what the fuck san diego is yeah you were making great points man like that i never again first time watch and i just mm-hmm. watched it right before we we did this but th- this is another movie that I I'm gonna say rewatchability right. out the roof, out the roof. Yeah, there there's so much to grasp onto because we're also getting information as well too. So it's it's left so ambiguous at the end. But I mean, let's not forget the fact that there's two separate, essentially blood rituals going on with when they first you know, get him from the coroner and they kind of bury him in the snowbank and then they go and unbury him. And I know, I want to know what they're going to do. That's what I'm saying. I want to know what the fuck they're up to, man. That's the shit that I want to, you, you know, man, you know, by now I love when movies uh, show ritual shit and, and witchy shit and all that. And like, this is and folklore. Like this is all the shit I love. This movie it is. It's a hundred percent. They even said, you know, again, let's let's harken back to probably the best scene in the entire movie is the conversation between Chion and the sheriff. And the chair sheriff says, "I don't know what you're going through, you know, to not have your daughter's body." And then Chion interrupts him, and he's, you know, because it's it's there. It's so spiritual and it's so mythological uh, among you know the villagers as far as what's going on. So. Uh, yeah it's i don't know it's i i love layers and layers to unpack yeah yeah so but yeah no that's it's part of me is why i like this this ending is just because it's interpreted you know you can have 10 different people watch us and are going to interpret it 10 different ways (laughs) so that's a good ending um I, i guess wrapping this up here you know, for me, the, the, the main thing is the acting in this movie is 
kind of blew me away. I, I feel that this is the best, excuse me. I feel that this is the best Netflix original movie that is out there by far. And even more so to that, I feel like this is the best movie on Netflix that people have never seen and don't talk about. It's sneaky good with the acting because you get Jeffrey Wright, Riley Keough, and Alexander Skarsgård, who are all fucking G's. Everything was so good. Even with, you know, the the James Badge Dale, the actor, the sheriff, you know, Donald Miriam or whatever. Everything was done so well. The, the cinematography was phenomenal. It was beautiful. It gave you... You know, you felt cold in scenes. You felt, I mean, they just did such a good job fleshing out characters and motivations and the story and the mystery aspect of it. This movie, when I initially watched it in 2018 and put it on my list, it was an 875. This is now a 10 for me because it is just so powerful. And I've already decided that i'm going to be showing this to my buddies when we go on our fall camping trip because that's just that one scene alone with chion in that building that shootout scene oh man just goosebumps phenomenal absolutely love this movie i, I could watch this again tonight and be happy and i'm not a rewatcher, bro to hear you give a 10 is like gold to my ears I'll say this movie has a scene in it that is a 10 out of 10. And that's the the conversation and the shootout, all that. Everything else, you know, okay. My, my, my original rating for this was actually the same as Possession, 8.5. But after we talked about this movie, even though I don't like the ending as much as I would hope I would, this is a 9 out of 10 with room to grow. Like, like this movie is fucking awesome. I'm I'm so glad you picked it because I probably never would have seen it for a long time because no one talks about this movie. Nobody and does. No one does. I'd never heard of it ever. And you're right. Like the performances, the writing, the acting, the pacing. You turned me around on that scene that I thought was unnecessary. You didn't turn me around on the ending, but I'm intrigued to rewatch this and hopefully get a little bit more out of it than I did the first time but on initial viewing oh wow I again eight eight and a half but we after our conversation I'm like I I you turned me around on that scene dude like two major points you made were like yeah this was actually necessary to the story so I want to rewatch it from that vantage point and to try to see the ending differently because again, I can't help my feelings. Like it just felt they didn't know how to end it. So maybe the book is different, like you said, and maybe there was some studio interference to a certain degree, but I still feel like this, the ending was still so ambiguous. I should love it, but I really want to, I guess the hangup I have is I just want to see more of what the fucking mom and dad were doing with the, the, the body of the son. I just want to see more. I wanted to see that kid rise out of the fucking coffin with wolf claws or some, some <laughs> fantastical witchy ass werewolf shit. Like, please God, give it to me. But I think that there's, that I agree with you because I've never really thought of the ending because by the time 
I get to the ending of this movie, I, I I'm already full staff prom dick hard. Like I'm already yeah. to that point where like, I kind of really don't care as far as what happens, but you did bring up some good points. I agree that it could have been better, but again, you know, when I rate movies and I, you know, I don't give out tens very often at all. No the main thing is, is when it comes back to rewatchability again this this movie is like you said it's it's so expertly paced where you could watch this again and pick up certain things and just appreciate the acting and just the sheer brutality of it the the biggest thing though for me has got to be the characters um i mean alexander skarsgård is he he is he is so well that character just kind of i mean he embodied that character, everything from the flashback to, or not even the flashback, but when you see him over in Fallujah to just the, the brutality of him. But yeah, I, I, I kind of want to watch this again and figure out a little bit more about that ending and just kind of feel if that's, you know, essentially their way of just reunite reuniting with, you know, with, with their son. Cause it, it is weird because you, you get multiple shots in the movie where you see the humanity of him and just how much he loves his son, both when they're having that conversation on the side of the river and, and just him mourning in the, you know, in the morgue. So, you know, it's, 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 it's weird. odd. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's an odd character choice, but I, I was going to say all that being said, like, yeah, this is one worth a rewatch and it, like to me, to me, like possession, so much to unpack, so much. And the only reason I, I, I went up a half point on this one was again, you turn that scene around for me. Otherwise, this would have fell right in there with uh, our previous film. But damn, dude, you picked the gem. This, I think, I, I feel like these are two. I know you didn't like possession nearly as much, but I still feel like it's worth watching. Um, for any horror fan out there to just see it like see it this ain't a it's not a horrible film and hold the dark is great this is great this is greatness that again me and boston has been like blowing it all night just like to the base but the fucking conversation between chion and the sheriff and the shootout that follows that alone is worth watching this movie and you'll get so much more than that you'll get so much more but watch it for that scene alone so i looked just, up at that action wow. and was trying to i mean he's been in a handful of movies but who's that chion yeah the actor of chion his name yeah. is um i mean he's obviously native it was like something like uh like 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 Andre Black Antelope or something. And he's been in a Ooh. handful of movies, but just, I don't know, man, that, that I, I was surprised to not see him in more because, you know, you didn't, you didn't mention once at all that you loved that this was a snow horror film. I, I mentioned I, it at the, at the yeah, beginning, but you never did. I feel like I didn't need to. I mean, I, I picked it for a reason. So <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, yeah. This, well, okay, this was so, on my list of my favorite of 2018. So, so you come in with a 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, hundred percent. And I'm, I'm a nine out of 10. So we're right there. I mean, it, yeah. if y'all don't go check this movie out, what the, Oh, 
book. Yeah, this this is like Hall of Fame status for Joe Blow right now. I mean, I mean, you're spoiled, but still, a nineteen yeah. out of twenty. So yeah, yeah. I, I I'm so happy. I, I was looking so forward to to talking about this movie, and I'm it 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 makes me so happy that you guys oh, I love it. the last episode when I was struggling trying to figure out what movie to talk about. And uh, <laughs> I almost did pick this one. And TB was like, nope, nope, just go with your gut. And I went with it and I'm, I'm glad I did. So fucking a, but anyways, next episode, Tibu, I have the old, you have the new. Are you excited or what? I can't wait to hear what you picked, and I'm keeping in in uh, in sync with you right now. I'm going to give you a snow horror film. I've never seen this movie. I've never seen this movie, but I'm intrigued to watch it. And uh, I don't I don't know if you've seen it. I really don't. Okay. But this is this is from 2010. Okay. And it's let it go, let it go. There's no holding back anymore. It's Frozen, but it's not the Disney yep. Frozen. It's yep. Frozen, the horror movie. I've never yep. seen it. I don't know. I've seen I it. Know it's... You have? Yep. That's uh, who's the... it's it's Ooh. it's by a uh, a pretty I don't know. director. I have no clue. None. Oh, no man. clue. Yep. Yep. I, all I know, all I know is there's escalator food. <laughs> That's all I know. There's yep, and there's wolves, and it's it's gonna tie in nicely with this I'm trying to think of the Ooh. director it's a it's a legit director i believe we talked about him before so frozen from was it 2015 2010 or two oh fuck 2010 all right so the old movie that we are going to be talking about is the dead pit from 1989 what have you seen it no i don't even know oh, what that is oh buddy Oh, 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 oh but <laughs> yes, that'll be fun. Tune in next oh, episode, shit. friends, for the Dead Pit from 1989 and Frozen 2010. Tibu, do you have anything to leave our lovely, handsome, gorgeous, beautiful listeners with? Yeah, you know, both these movies involved like like fetuses or kids being killed or drowning themselves in tubs or just being abandoned or whatever. Just love your kids for Christ's sake. Love your kids. Give them that extra hug. Yeah. Extra little squeeze on the hug. Extra and, little and kiss. If they die, you can perform some weird Inuit ritual. ritual or you can just bring them up to Job. Uh, the 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 pet cemetery down that road right there. Go down that road, Barry. Yeah, right that don't that don't come down here no more. Yeah, <laughs> don't come down here, Barry. Yeah. Barry, uh, <laughs> next thing you know, you got the milkman fucking your wife. <laughs> <laughs> next thing you know, you got people wearing wolf masks trying to strangle you until you have sex and you take an arrow out of some guy's dress. Have you ever been beat to death with a milk jug? It's not funny. <laughs> milk jug bukake. Bukake, bitches. <laughs> All right, friends. Well, have a good night, a good day. Make sure you guys are tuning in next episode because we're going to have the first leg of the trip and then we'll be covering the dead pit and frozen. And with that, 
I hope it was as good for you as it was for us. Boom. Boom. That was incredible. Is it good for you? (laughs) I've had better. Nicht klar.